1: The Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio is on the air.
2: Wild and wonderful, and full of both entertainment. Tonight's on
0: James Bond,
2: our online network. Goldmine, your essential guide to all things wild and wonderful in the world of cult entertainment. Uh, drop in for a spell and join me, Doc Savage, and my co-host, Lewis Paul, as we discuss the beloved, the hated, the weird and wonderful world of cult film, music, television, and more. So this week, we're talking Bond and Other Spies. In the early days of the Cold War, unlike the moniker producer Albert R. Cubby Broccoli and his partner Harry Saltzman, tapped into some very variant elements of the late 50s, early 70s, like uh, excuse me, early 60s zeitgeist, and created the defining example of martini sipping, jet setting, lounge lizard fantasy of an international spy. Simultaneously able to work contemporary political tropes of anti-communism and the hip swinging macho dream of every pop-village suburban overlord, their version of Ian Fleming's 007 overtook the original and spawned a literal army of filmic and televised knockoffs from the successful Jerry Cotton and the Euro Spy craze, John Steed, Jason King, Adam Adamant, Alexander Mundy, Simon Templar, James West, Normus Gordon, the IMF, to the strangely popular and comic-oriented but ultimately failed, like The Man from U.N.C.L.E., Get Smart, I Spy. So, joyous as we separate the wheat from the chaff, I'm only here on Weird Scenes Inside the Gold Mine. Tonight, we are shaken, not stirred. And I believe with me is my co host, my erstwhile partner in crime, the uh, maven of sleeves, as it were, and uh, the, the king of the international spy racket, uh,
1: Mr. Louis Paul. Thank you. Thank you for those eloquent words.
0: <laughs>
1: so, uh,. We are here, we uh second yeah we after yeah, i knew I knew you were worried for a minute there, um our our host station network uh changed things around a little bit, and uh yeah. took took me one minute to get on, which is not so bad, uh, considering in the past we had some trauma, but I'm, yes. I'm glad <laughs> I'm actually here now, so no, you did that very well, it's yeah nicely summed up a lot uh.
2: So uh, uh, this is one that we had discussed because we are both huge uh, fans of spy shows, spy films, yes. and, of course, yeah. Bond. Uh, I believe you have a lot more familiarity with the Eurospy genre, mm-hmm. which I am jealous of because I've enjoyed every piece that I do own. Uh, and actually, my favorite is one you might not expect, and hopefully we will get to that along the way. Um so I guess we might as well start off talking Bond. Uh, yeah. Ian Fleming, uh, British writer, he was actually, and I think this was back in the Great War, wasn't it? It was it was well before World War Two. Um, he was a what do you call it? The MI6 uh, agent and uh, British spy
1: yeah, in the real sense, in the general well, class well,
0: service. I, okay. not,
1: not to interrupt, but I think before that he was he was he was a dallier. He was a, a correspondent right he was a correspondent and he uh was a uh amateur writer and he yeah but you're right though he did get into the spy game uh in some fashion um it's never quite clear you know between his biography his the the many autobiographies and stuff on him there's always something not quite clear about that, which means he probably was a spy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to get too much into moving towards light territory, but Alistair Crowley was also involved with uh, MI6. And there's a whole debate about that, like, oh, was he really? We only have certain records, but yet there was some very definite connections that he called on that proved he kind of was in with the government, in the British government. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that whole thing that everybody talks about all the time to put him down about, oh, he wrote that ridiculous propaganda stuff. You know, for the Nazis in America but it was so over the top he was actually put there as we understand it to infiltrate the people who were doing the propaganda and of course he did it totally over the top and ridiculous to kind of make it laughable while he was doing that uh, but there's a lot of debate like what really happened you know there's truths and falses and pros and cons and my understanding is that British intelligence, especially in that period, was very, very tight-lipped. And even to this day, when you find something like that, where it's like, well, there's really not a lot of proof, but there's some real strong connections, chances are it's real.
1: So. Uh, oh, yeah. Br- British British agents have always been, uh, uh, I mean, the media side, they've been top of their game, top of their game. Yeah. Um, uh, probably why we have such an affinity for them? I mean, it's the cloak and the dagger. You know, you get that in American stuff, but there's a, an elegance. There's a mystery. It's like, yeah, we won't tell you, and and, uh, and if you know, you're you know, you're already dead. Yeah, exactly. You, you know too much. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Oh, yeah, you're yeah. Um, it's a very interesting thing going on there. Exactly.
2: So, you know, given the preponderance of evidence or really obvious lack of evidence in certain areas, yeah, we we kind of, most people will say, yeah, all right, he was involved with the spy game, he was involved with MI6. Um, So, therefore, when he got out afterwards, like you said, he was already kind of an amateur writer, and he used his experiences, obviously in a more more colorful fashion, but nothing like the movies, to write uh, the James Bond character. Mm -hmm. And... Right up through the recent Casino Royale, uh, not the goofy one from the '60s that had like 20 different directors and was kind of a mess, but the uh, the one with Daniel Craig, that was the last of the uh, Ian Fleming books to be adapted in whatever form in as the Bond film. And ever since they just making stuff, basically pulling it out of their ass, and it kind of shows.
1: <laughs> well, I, 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 there was yeah, and, and it's true the. Um, I mean, even even some of the short stories. He, you know, he did one or two books of, of Bondian short stories that were collected. Uh, uh, some of the stuff from "For Your Eyes Only," some of the stuff in "The Spy Who Loved Me," come from. Uh, he did one or two of those. They were all short stories, you know, featuring Bond, and those were already taken, you know. Right. So yeah, now it's all fresh stuff. It's all it's all fresh, yeah. Yeah. So but the thing
2: about the uh books and that's a little misleading to say mm-hmm. okay they adapted the the films from the books, is that the ones that I had read, they are not quite, you know, like I said, John Lacard, not that quite that level of quote, realist spy, you know, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy sort of thing, you know, uh what, what was that, uh, Foil's war whatever the hell, folks, those kind of things. Uh or like the one no, yeah. popping on a string. I mean, those are more realistic, um yes, yeah, somebody was involved with spying at some point and tried to write a script out of this. um What happened was broccoli and saltzman, I think they were just kind of looking for a property to plug this their basic idea into. Uh, and I do get the impression, I didn't study up on them much, but I really do get the impression that they were kind of just tapping into the I guess they were middle-aged men themselves, even at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this was the 50s going into the early 60s. You know, it was all about, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, and, you know, oh, I've got my new stereophonic hi-fi, and I can make a better martini and throw a better garden party, and, mm-hmm. oh, look, my... Um, you know, my, my Cadillac with the fins is hotter than your, you know, whatever the hell it is, 57 Chevy. Um, So, therefore, there's a lot of that kind of, um, I, I always say suburban roulette in honor of the, the a Gordon Lewis film about white swapping and key parties. But, uh, you know, basically that's what it is. It, it's this kind of uh, suburban roulette kind of a thing going on. Uh with these guys that were, you know, basically middle aged fat guys or whatever the hell in, in, safe in their domicile, saying, Ah, oh, I wish I was still younger, you
1: know, I could get all those chicks in the
2: Harem Fantasy. Uh we'll talk well, about that well, they, the anime. They,
1: they were later. they were independent producers as well. Um They did they did do the you know, the odd off uh you know, you know, mid to late fifties uh feature. Um you know, minor success in the you know, homeland there, um, right. but when they when they bought these books from Fleming, they bought the rights. Um, um, yeah, they they hit upon a gold mine, and it's fascinating that at this time period, I mean, Doctor No, the first one, mm-hmm. that they spent so much bloody money on that. I mean yeah, right off the
2: bat. Right off the yeah, bat, they right in the there bat. sinking I don't know how many thousands of dollars into this thing. Um and the well, word is it's like it may have been a million. Wow. Uh and you know the other aspect of this, I was talking about the uh, sure. the male you know, fantasy part, is that yeah. we were also just barely out of the fifties, so therefore what was going on? McCarthyism, the Cold War, yeah. communist paranoia, um, you know, the blacklist this was a big deal, so they tapped into two things that were very relevant at that time, using a character that really had nothing to do with any of that. Okay, yes, he was a spy, but it was more of like a wartime sort of a thing. I mean, you know, made into fantasy. Yes, you know the Bond books are, but the other thing I find is they're a little bit more violent too. I remember them being kind of dark. The ones that I had read, hmm, uh, have, hmm. have you any of them? You, what one person did I, you take away from? It?
1: I've read them all, and um, I found that 90% of them are very very good. Uh they're terrific they're not just pulp. They're no, they're really no. good. They're they're gritty. Um I I, I they're nasty. Um, bond is not the most likable character in the earliest of books and I think he he toned that down a little bit as he went along. Uh possibly because of the, pop, the growing popularity of the, correct, uh, the character, and possibly right. because somebody told me, "Oh, turn it down," because we're actually selling a lot of these damn books. Well, um, do you remember those books that they had in the
2: seventies, like uh, the Executioner? Oh, and there's another oh, my, one the and things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, books, there's no that I can't think of at the moment. I'm, I'm just going to look because I actually have a list of ones that's oh,
0: the Remo to Oh, the Remo yes. Williams. Yes, yeah. Remo
2: Williams and. Um, uh, if I can remember the other one, I'll tell you in a minute, but it's reminded me of those the the ones that I had read were very much like that, and I was surprised um you know, I was already reading stuff like that, so I was like, well, okay, there's really nothing much that separates this, and it's certainly nothing like the films that we're watching, so like, okay, well, you know, and I read like maybe two or three of these in my twenties and
1: kind of dropped it after that um well, I also think I also think that the books. I mean, in a way, guys, you know, beer with us. in a way, the books were more sexually explicit than the movies could have been at the time. They couldn't have been as explicit as the books. Now, Definitely. granted, when i say saying sexually explicit, I'm not saying we're talking graphic language or graphic depictions no. of sexual scenes. But when I'm saying sexually explicit, <laughs> even though I'm the maven of sleeves, uh, <laughs> uh what, it, what, it, what I'm saying here is that it, they were very much more... Graphic, for yeah, the time period as graphic those as it are, can possibly be. Yeah, yeah. I and actually
2: found the name of the other series I was thinking mm-hmm. of, and this would be a good comparison and that would back up your point. Uh, those of you out there who have read the Nick Carter series, the Killmaster yes,
1: series, Nick Carter, yeah,
2: that mm-hmm. is what we're talking about, and that's also involves when you're talking about the the sexuality, but it's not necessarily like sleazy. You know, it's not like reading um, an erotic no, but it's novel. Or something. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, exactly, it's, it's there. Um, you know it's another good one if anybody's read Arch Hall's novel, uh, Apsara Jet. That was actually really <laughs> pushing it over the line into sleaziness. Uh but the same idea. Uh so you know, this is the kind of uh books that we're talking about and yet they adapted them into, you know, the, the suburban fantasy thing and the Cold War paranoia and made a very pulpy character. Um I really do think that they lucked into uh, finding Sean Connery. He was kind of a young actor at the time.
0: Uh, he was, I don't get... he
2: was, yeah, yeah, He's and, and done you know, some yeah. stuff, but nothing much. Go ahead, you, you can tell.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Do you remember that wonderful little Disney yes, movie uh, where, where Sean what gets this see? Thing. I'm to sing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a cute movie. Yeah, I have nothing against it. It's not, you know, it's not. I don't have a fucking DVD, but. Yeah, I remember as as a, as a kid I saw that and I was like, oh, it's a cute little Disney movie. And and he did a, a, a bit parts in war movies, you yeah, know, nothing major, right. but it was like he was perfect for the role, he, for James Bond. I was like, oh my god, yeah, it's just perfect casting.
2: And kind of like when we talked last week about or two weeks ago about who. Uh, it's the same thing where people automatically associate with Tom Baker or nowadays David Tennant. Um, Back in those days, and even up to now, people think Bond, nine times out of ten, they're thinking Sean Connery. Uh, Even if they grew up during a different time, like I grew up under Roger Moore. Well,
1: yeah, we uh, should should get to that later because it's actually something really interesting I'm seeing going on in the internet. Uh, Well, I'm sure we're going to tackle this later on in the show, is that um, it depends how old you are and where you grew up and when you grew up, and if you saw these in the movie theater or if you saw these on v h s or d v d et cetera et cetera, and there um, is a difference folks, <laughs> and there is a difference, folks, yeah, believe it or not, uh, hopefully maybe we can sort of we can sort of assimilate this with you know the feeling of you know why people liked you know, it depends on how much time we have okay. um but um I find. Uh, I, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s, you know, and the 80s. <laughs> and, um, I yeah, you know, I saw the Roger Morris in the theater. I've always enjoyed them. Some I like, and some I was like, hey, it's Simon Templer running around, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's funny that now, in hindsight, I see it's like, you know, Craig and Connery, you know. And that's what I see a lot written. You know, a lot of people are just like forgetting Roger Moore, you know, made a lot of these movies, You know, seven of them, I think. You know, So, yeah, but it's something and, we'll try to tackle later on. But I think, yeah, getting back to what you were saying, Connery, was, he was tapped and he was perfect at the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: I actually came up in the 70s. So therefore,
1: those are the ones I was seeing
2: in the theater. And for me, it was Roger Moore. I thought he had a lot more panache and style, and um,
0: I hate to say. Oh, he always had style, you know,
2: yeah. right? Away with the ladies, if you will, uh, and the way that he carried himself, even when he was doing his killings or whatever, was very much uh, decadent and debonair. And he was kind of like a um, Peter Wingard, you know, but not so much as the Jason King character. Just that sort of a flamboyantly, but yet straight. Um, sort of, you know, basically what we're talking about, this this male fantasy sort of yeah. thing. Like, well, look, I, I see <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. we would have been a great bond. Um, it would have been a great we'll, one, yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about some of those things later. If not, we'll definitely talk yeah. about during British cult TV show that we're doing. Um, but anyway, in terms of... Uh, so, I was, I was going to say, though, that I grew up with the Moore, and he was always bond to me in that respect. And then, as the years went on, and I was watching more and more of these movies and watching them over and over, even though I still have a really soft spot in my heart, and I still do love the Roger Moore bonds, all of them, mm-hmm. uh, even the ones that weren't as good, you know, we'll get to that, too. Uh, it's. It changed. It was like you know what? There's really no comparison. It's kind of like when we talk about the Avengers. Uh, there's no comparison. I can't look at and appeal the same way after falling in love with Kathy Gale. You know, this is it. Connery's the same way. You can't really say, oh well, Marjorie Moore is great. Well, yeah, he was, but yeah, Sean Connery would kick his ass. You know, it's that kind of a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the mm-hmm. same at the old there with the Avengers, where you know, if we don't appeal against Kathy Gale, she's dead. <laughs> Kathy Gale, kill her. Uh, and ah, uh, uh, we we'll got to that. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, probably on another show Uh, but anyway so therefore I agree with this thing that really when you look at Bond you know it it really is kind of Sean Connery so um, he came into this rather young like I said and they also got some interesting people uh, right off the bat here Uh, let's see who did they have for Dr. No Uh, well Let's see. And those who don't know Sean Connery, God help you. But other films that he did that you might be familiar with, ha, 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 uh, at least in terms of cult. Uh, the Offense, I know that came out recently on uh, DVD. That was an interesting one. Uh, Zardoz, you know, the infamous uh, cult film, not uh, Knockoff for The Wizard of Oz, but sci-fi. Meteor, the great disaster film,
0: uh, and
2: great being sarcastic. Outland, the kind of space one where he's like a space cowboy more or less. And Name of the Rose. Just, you know, among God knows how many dozens of things he did. Um, but they also got a young Ursula Ants. Now
0: yeah. for
2: me you know, she's a pretty girl but it kinda of stops there. It's very she's got that sort of thing, like, okay, well aesthetic it's fine but does nothing for me. Whereas my father? What's,
1: what's, what's that line that he says when he first see her sees her on the beach? Oh, when she comes out of the water? Uh yeah, he's and, singing oh, that, underneath oh. the mango tree, remember? Yes. And, and she comes out of the water dripping wet, and yep. she has the shells in her hand. Yep. And do you remember what he says?
2: I don't remember, but I used to know it. It is a famous Oh,
1: name. yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, my God. It's like, I I thought you would remember this. Oh, it's so many years. So old. It's just so <laughs> wild that he, he says a sentence that is like, for 1960. It's like, what? Oh, yeah, no,
2: it was extremely, extremely suggestive. Let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there was a suggestive-looking woman. Uh, yes. And, and it's a, I'm glad they didn't dub her as well. Uh, there was a preponderance for dubbing actresses, uh, foreign right. actresses, uh, that went on to the mid-'70s.
2: And she had that you know, Swedish accent. And I will tell you that you know while she really didn't do anything for me, my father was hot. For her, I mean that was, and it was always, oh yeah, Doctor No, the sensuous nurse. I mean, you know, Ursula Anders, woo woo, yeah, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing.
1: Uh, you know, and obviously, yeah, sorry. yeah. And there's a lot like going on in that because uh, in their in their in their introduction, you know, once they they relax a little bit, those two characters. Oh, in the beginning, it's crazy because it actually starts off in a little more oddly than most Bond films that followed. Yeah. First off, yeah. there's a very relaxed pace to it. I mean, extremely relaxed. Yeah. And she tells him she tells him that they're still on the beach, and she tells him that you know her, her parents died, and she was taken in by this she thought kindly gentleman who came in every night and raped her until she couldn't take it anymore. She killed him with a poisonous a poisonous uh uh tarantula or something like that, and he's just really. It's like, wow. (laughs) But, yeah, just the idea of, uh, because this person was supposed to be her surrogate father. It's just this weird thing of incestuous rape nightly. I was like, that is very heady for 1960. It was dark as hell for that there.
2: And, you know, of course, Andres, if anybody doesn't know, she was in Elvis's Fun in Acapulco, (laughs) Uh, Hammer She, The Tenth Victim, which is a great film. Uh, Red Sun with Charlie Bronson and uh, Tishiro Mofune uh, The census Nurse like i mentioned Fernando DeLeo's Loaded Guns which we'll get to when we do uh, the Police Teshi films Clash of the, the Titans Sergio
1: Martino movie Sergio Martino The Martini, uh, the, Slave of the Cannibal God yes yeah. that was the
2: first one where they did that thing where the uh, white girl goes in there and paints herself up like a goddess or whatever to get the natives to follow her which they kept copying and, and film after film after filming you would start
0: seeing yeah. but now, that nice. movie,
1: she, she she slathered her Voluptuous Breast and <laughs> liquid. <laughs> For what you know, reason? Like, I have no idea. There's a
2: certain age range where somebody's like, oh, yeah, voluptuous Ursula Anderson.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ursula <laughs> Anderson is voluptuous. So that was a
2: good bomb movie.
1: Yeah. Um, it is. The, the only
2: thing that's kind of off about it, other than the slow pace, and, you know, that, that whole Sleep Brian F- Mice thing in the beginning it was just like, what? what the hell is this? Um, is the. I hate to be one of those people that's all politically correct. I'm not like that in the least. I hate that
0: shit.
1: But, or Joseph you
2: know, Wiseman? Yeah, I mean, he's there with the, the painted-up eyes. It's, it's not as bad as, like, you know, Marlon Brando in Tea House of the August Moon, but it's on that level, you know, or Peter Laurie as Mr. Moto. I'm like, really? Come on. But it was 1962, so I guess they really kind of hadn't uh, uh, gotten their finger on the pulse of reality yet. They <laughs> figured they could just cast a white guy as anything on Earth. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, We need a black guy. Sure, he wants to cast Martin Landau. I mean, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Well, you
1: know, you know, they they were doing this a lot. The Brits, the Brits, were doing odd casting around this time. Uh, I mean, does anybody remember Henry Silver as Mister Moto? I yes. do. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So uh, Joseph Wiseman, a a, a Jewish, uh, mainly a, a stage actor from the New York area, uh, well renowned. You know, he's, he's done a lot of good work. Um, but with a, a, a lot of makeup and I'm sure some very painful makeup for his eyes, uh, playing not Dr. No. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying and I agree, but you know, they really were not casting male actors at that time. Yeah, male. male Asian actors for those kind of roles. And since it was a large part, there was no other way for them to go but to do that. And I thought he did it really well. He was a Creepy and insidious villain, <laughs> <Really? laughs> um, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: I mean, again, I watch. I love Charlie Chan movies. I watch it. This really doesn't bother me, but there is an extent to which you know modern audiences sit there and go, "What the fuck are you showing me? Really, seriously?" Right. So yeah. you know, it is there, and you should be aware of it. Um, so from Dr. No we go on to what really becomes the first, quote, proper Bond film. In other words, they were kind of experimenting with Dr. No, and they got some elements right, and other ones were – and actually, this makes it an interesting film because it's not quite formula yet. It's like, okay, what are they doing here? This is it, – it's almost a standalone Bond film.
1: Uh, you, because, oh, yeah. I, I, we should mention that. It was directed by Terrence Young, correct? Yeah. Yes, correct, correct. yes, uh, yeah. who was also did uh, a bunch of
2: Hammer films. Um so we go on to Goldfinger, which is the first, quote, template. No, from thoughts. Russia with Love. From Russia oh, you're love right. Yeah, it in between. Uh, yeah. my thing? the website. There it is. 63 was from Russia with Love. Um, oh, and actually, I forgot a couple of people since I didn't see this side of the paper. Yes, I, have, I, uh, yes, I am old school. I did pretty well. Uh, <laughs> uh, there were some people in Dr. No that were interesting, like Jack Lord, who was yes. uh, the Hawaii Five-O guy. Uh we was expecting yeah. him. Yep, I'm next sure see him there. Uh Anthony Dawson from Dialing from Murder and The Haunted Strangler, Death Rides a Horse Ghoulie's too.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> You, you know. know who's really great in Dr. No? Is 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 the uh the Afric oh, well the black actor who plays uh, Bond's ally. He's really good. Um gosh, I can't remember his name. Uh do you remember he was the gentleman who helped Bond out? And Crab Key? Yeah, and I remember what you're talking about. I just don't know it
2: was. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, it was a minor The last actor. time I
2: saw these films, I saw them mm-hmm. in order. We went chronologically, so therefore, yeah. Dr. Notes even at the beginning of that.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I, I wish I could remember the gentleman's name. He was very good. He was a, he was a serviceman, a U.S. serviceman, who actually entered, uh, acted in a number of French films. And he had a minor career. I think he was also a musician, jazz musician on the side. And really? uh, yeah. And uh, he had, so he was somebody of a bit renowned in, in Europe. So he took on this part of the slightly Jamaican-accented uh, <laughs> uh, assistant to Bond. And you know, his he has a death scene that uh, was pretty nasty, pretty graphic for the game for the time period by uh, Flame. And It's funny, they kind of bonded a little bit up to that point, him and Connery, and when you see his death and Connery's reaction, it was, I bought it, you know, it was like, wow, you know, yeah, so, yeah, I I, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but, you know, at some point we will.
2: It's funny because you pointed out that I miss From Russia with Love, and it's hilarious because that is my second favorite, if not my favorite, of the Connery Bonds. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. Um, I love this film. Uh, you actually have, and of course, they they had this thing back in the 60s and 70s of casting uh, pretty either redheaded or blonde girls as Russians that were definitely not Russian. So in this case, you had, um, what's her face, the Italian actress? Uh, Daniela Johnson who was in things like Bardos and Castel Malheur, uh, Loves My Profession, Operation Lady Chaplin, Room for Secret Agent, O.K. Connery. She uh, never
1: had a career. She never had a career. But she was, I mean, to speak of, but she was, yeah, was old, uh, months, so. yeah she she was hard to look at. And uh, I don't know if you guys recall or if people listening are familiar with when they first put these things out on Laserdisc. Remember Laserdisc? Yes. Um, <laughs> The original um, audio commentary for these movies are. I made these sleeves with this is very expensive. I know I sold them on eBay. Um, the directors were older men at the time. They're dead now. And they, they used to say shit like crazy. They were like, oh, there's Daniela Bianchi. Yeah, you remember she had huge legs. We had to get some stamping for her legs and <laughs> all kinds of crap. Um... <laughs> You know, it's a bit derogatory because I think she did a fine. Uh, she was fine in the role, and um, yeah. Um, but my God, oh gosh, who was the villainous, the Russian mom? Who was that? Oh, uh, what's her name? There, Rosa Cliff, who
2: was uh, she was actually famous. Lottie Lenya, Lottie Lenya, yes,
1: <laughs> with from, the little from, shoes with the daggers. The Kirk Wilde's. days, you know. Which right, exactly. We're talking. Like, we're talking like, <laughs> way. We're we talking classic. Real theater connections here. We're you know, a talking lot of, a a lot fucking three penny opera. This is the yeah, other. yeah. And she We're was a, back. she was terrific as a sadistic fucking lesbian Russian general, but she was really working for Spectre. Uh, Spectre, yep. and uh, of course,
2: you know you already had them in there, but you already had Bernard Lee M, who was also in the last film. It? Well Maxwell Miss Money Penny, but you start mm-hmm. building up a cast as we go along here, so. uh you know, and again, we we're, now we're talking about did they mention Spectre uh, Dr. No, I can't remember. No, they didn't. Think, uh, Spectre, Okay,
1: no, so now they're do, starting they to alluded talk about to Spectre. Spectre. They alluded to it. I remember that very, very distinctly. They alluded to Spectre, but no, it's not mentioned. Right,
2: and I just remember that scene in the Gypsy camp. I mean, this is a fun movie. The, the train business, uh, you know, and. Oh, yeah. and uh, my wife still quotes to me all the time, you know, when you smack her ass, kind of thing like, ah, oh, are some American customs that we will have to change. Uh, you know, oh, those kind of yes. Things. Yes.
1: It was a great, Manteris, uh, Patriot Mentor.
2: Is correct. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, yes. it was a really good film, but again, uh, people really consider Goldfinger be the template because even though it's coalescing, it's still a bit outside. It's a bit darker, Uh, It's a bit... um, From Russia, you mean, right? Yeah, from Russia, Love. it's more realist, I guess you could say. Uh, It it is more of a... I think it would be arguably closer to the Ian Fleming original than the stuff that would come afterwards, which was just kind of going way the hell out into fantasy land. Um,
1: Uh, and, 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 And let us not forget another, at the time, primary stage actor, primarily stage actor, Robert Shaw. Yes. Who... Nearly steals the film. I mean, <laughs> the the fight scene—we're talking with the suitcase. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the fight scene they have—he creeps me car. out. Every time I see that damn film, he creeps me out.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: it's like wow. He's steely. He's the epitome yeah. of steely, and um, the man is so good, you know, because he knows he knows how to modulate. Well, he's passed on but he knew how to modulate his voice so well and uh, you know I'd that's a sign of a really good actor so yeah he was in a big budget at the time uh, spy action film but so he's playing a Russian and and the funny thing about Shaw he was killing people along the way and impersonating them to get closer to Bond. and so each time he would meet somebody else he would supposedly be somebody else working for MI you know for for the for the spy agency. Right. And he he would try to impersonate them from Geeky Agent Illo, you know, and kill them, then be the next guy to the next guy. Yeah, you know, they're sitting in the that car in the train, like, oh man. Remember? Yeah.
2: <laughs> He was the one that... I mean, he wasn't even the main character, the main baddie, but he was the scary one. He was the actual one yeah. that had me worried through the movie. I wasn't too worried about the other people. He was like, oh, I don't want him after me. <laughs> so it says a lot. Um, and then, of course, we moved on to Goldfinger. Uh, yeah. For me, there's really two reasons to watch this film. One is, first of all, it's super pulpy. This is when it really gets to be the kind of cotton candy floss that uh, Bond becomes for many, uh-huh. many years. Uh, but... You got Gert Frobe in it now. Gert Frobe was not a regular, but he would pop up in a lot of the creamies. We'll be talking about Edgar Wallace films one yes, of those days. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Always, always a strong welcome presence. Uh, very, and it's interesting because he's very Germanic. Uh, those of you who have any Germanic ancestry in you uh, will realize that that old thing about oh, the Germans have no sense of humor is horseshit. But uh, there is a line, and therefore, half the time, he is a jolly, you know, good-time, beer-hole sort of a German, like, oh, everything's a big joke. And then all of a sudden, he's just steely cold. You know, no, Mr. Bond, I want you to die.
0: <laughs> and then they walk away. <laughs>
2: uh, you know, excellent, excellent character actor. I mean, I wouldn't call him, like, oh, yes, he's a great actor, but he's a fantastic character actor. Um sure. And, of course, Honor Blackman, who we had mentioned before about Kathy Gill and the Avengers, uh, that was, unfortunately, uh, the reason that she left the Avengers was to do this All film. Right. And, of course, later on, a couple of years later, her replacement would follow suit <laughs> for the same reason. Oh, I've got to do a Bond film. See ya. And then we got stuck with Linda Thorson, which is a disaster. But we'll get to that when we talk about the Avengers. One <laughs> <better. laughs> <laughs> 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 The less about Linda Thorson, the better. <laughs> but... Uh, so, therefore, I do not, and people really take this iconically, like, oh, Honor Blackman, Pussy Galore. Okay, yes, she had a funny name.
1: But was she really uh, <laughs> whatever yeah. was she was? And I have to say, And again, they're really pushing the envelope. This is 1964. They're on the plane. The drug Bond. He's coming to. And, 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 and Honor Blackman, as Kathy Gale goes, I'm Pussy Galore. And he, and Connery goes, I bet you are.
2: <laughs>
1: that's like, whoa.
2: <laughs> yes. And that's part of the thing that was fun about Bond was it always had these double entendres and then uranus in it. Um, and that's well, like,
1: heavy for the time period. you got to remember, where we are now doesn't count. Right. You have to remember being there then. It's like, he oh, shit, much. did he really say that? Yeah. You know? Things were much, much more uptight. Even when I was coming
2: kind from of the 70s, which would be loose. Still, you know, polite society, you would never say something like
0: that. You, you yeah.
2: Know. So, you know,
0: yeah.
2: it, it was Gale, sure. Uh Sure. And it was just kind of a joke to even say her name. Like, oh, look, Pussy Gloria," <laughs> You know, like Beavis and Buttheads or everything almost. Um, and I hate to use words words sexy because I really thought she was much better as Kathy Gale. But she brought mm. basically the same persona with her here, including, uh, and they I understand they actually wrote it in because of that. Uh, Honor was of uh, her kicking ass. She actually knew judo on the Avengers. The stuntmen were afraid to work with her. We're talking about big burly stuntmen. They didn't want to work with her because she would flip them and you know basically just take them right the hell out. Um, so they actually knew about this, and they wrote it into the script. So that's why you have Pussycore doing judo in this film. Uh, you know, And then, of course, you've got uh, Harold Sakata, who was really known as nothing but odd job throughout his career. Job, I mean, yeah. he, when he was doing films for Bill Graffay. I interviewed Bill Graffay for Third Eye Cinema. Uh, and he had done a couple of films with him there. I, I know he was in Impulse with William Shatner, and I think he was in Mako Joseph's Death as well. Uh yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, he yes. actually billed him as Harold, quote, Ah Job Sakata, which is hilarious to me. And he had some great stories about him as well. Uh So, anybody that's interested, check out my uh, interview with Bill Grafe on Third Eye Cinema. Uh, but, you know, you've got him in there as well. And, okay, he's a big Japanese guy. He was an ex wrestler. And, you know, he's got that kind of big stocky build. But again, iconic villain in a comic booky sense. I mean, here's some big, you know, like I said, big wrestler guy. He doesn't say too much and he's got this hat. Throws out it, it's like the yeah, flying the bowler, The bowler hat. Yeah, he yeah. the bowler hat, whips it across the thing and that's it. Somebody's dead. It's got uh, whatever it is, saw blade her knives or whatever the hell it was. Um you know, this was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was the most comic booky of the Bond films to date. And you know, it was a big budget. It was a very much of a spectacle.
1: Um, and it made a ton of money, though. It made a ton of money. I
2: did. And you know who. <laughs> okay, my cats are fighting. Uh, there's a. <laughs> a Pussy
1: Galar, There you go. <laughs> there you go,
2: Pussy And there are two girls, too. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: there's a couple of uh, other folks who you might be interested in this film, uh, one being Margaret Nolan. Who was in uh, Witchfinder General, Hard Days Night, and the Carry On films? Uh, mm-hmm. She pops up there uh, as the masseuse, and then Bert Kwok of all people, who was in yes. a lot of British films, but most famously as Cato in the uh, Pink Panther films. So, oh, uh,
1: and, and, and I'd like to interject before, before uh, oddly enough, before Bert Kwok appeared in the Pink Panther, and after he appeared in this, he was like the token. Asian villain, a Euro spy movies, and if we have time, we'll we'll get through those too.
2: Definitely. Um.
1: So anyway, unless you got something else to say, I'll just move on to Thunderbolt There. I I I like Goldfinger. I I thought, uh, coming after From Russia with Love, it was yeah, it was a bit comic booky. Uh, yeah. It's still a good film. I can't knock it. You know, it's it's oh, just yeah. that it's not. One of my favorite Connery Bonds, but
2: exactly no. everybody goes Goldfinger, Goldfinger, Goldfinger. I'm like, yeah, I didn't like it that much compared to the other ones around it. Um, I liked it more than Thunderball, but and that's another one that everybody loves. Uh, but it was very over-the-top. I mean, just look at the thing. They're, they're reading Fort Knox. I mean, come on. They, really? It's got to get that big? <laughs> yeah. And it keeps getting bigger from there. After this, the film's just getting crazier and crazier until you get to Dr. Evil level. You know, from, uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: good. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, Thunderball. You know, Thunderbolt's problematic for me. I think yes. part of the reason is Adolfo
2: Um <laughs>
1: Adolfo Chelli. He was
2: actually one of the things that worked about it for me. But Go ahead.
1: I like him. I like him in lots of things. I even like him in lesser films. I have a problem with Adolfo in this huge big spectacle Bond movie because I thought Adolfo wound up being dwarfed by a lot of things around him. Yeah, that's true. He did not pull up. They were looking for another Gert
2: Froba, and they said, okay, well, we got a fellow like this from Germany, this kind of big, blustery, larger than life fella. Who do we got around this is like that? Well, look, Aldo Pacelli, he's big in Italy, big, blustery Italian guy. Okay, fine. Same idea. You know, also kind of physically imposing, and he's big and thick and whatever. And yet, I don't know, I I wouldn't say it's as bad as you think in that respect. You know, Adolfo was not the problem with this film for me. But, yeah, you're right. He doesn't stand out like, you know, Rick Goldfinger. He's kind of there. I also think <laughs> yeah. they should
1: have switched to girls, too. I mean, yes. they should have really switched to that. girls. Lu- Luciana Paluzzi yes. should have played the other role.
0: And yeah. and
1: the... and The Claudine the, Auger part, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I quote Dean Noger, they should have switched the roles. I don't know what the hell they were thinking, but yeah, we'll
2: yeah. get on that. Domino later. does not work I, and then it's
1: another when you hear people talking about like, oh Domino, who's oh, so sexy, I'm like,
2: Yeah, I don't know. She's kind of there with um we with, talked before Ursula with just like, okay, yeah, she's attractive, but yeah, it doesn't do nothing for me. It <laughs> doesn't
1: start my motor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and actually if 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 I'm plugging myself, if anybody wants to see me inter- uh, interview Luciana Peluzzi and a couple other people. It's on my Facebook page. Um, I put it up today. It was from uh, two or three years ago at a show. And uh, Luciana still looks great, or she did at the time. I don't know what happened uh, since then, but uh, I think she's still a fine lady. Very nice lady, and uh, I got to ask her a couple Bond-type questions. Of course, I got standard answers, but if you want to see real-life Luciana, pretty recent. And she was a very nice woman.
2: But uh, yeah, I
1: I think it was sure from that particular
2: convention. Uh, yeah. They also had Martin Beswick, who was uh, known for things yes. like Doctor Jack, Sister Hyde. There, yeah. and uh, I think, and I'm like, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought this was the first time they used Q, Desmond Wellen. I don't think he had who's in the films
1: before this. Uh, go, uh, no Thunderball. Um, Thunderball? We we're talking Thunderball now. I think he may have been. Earlier. Okay. Uh, yeah, I but think it may was... have been earlier, but really brief. And uh, calling – him no, not Q, but he's from Q Branch. I think that was the thing. And there's they another did... weird one here. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Finish your thought. Sorry. No, go
2: ahead. Uh, there's a weird one here. We just mentioned about Burke Clark with the last one. Um, there's another fellow who was actually uh, Sergeant Chevalier in the Pink Panther films. Uh, but he only hears a cameo. Uh, Andre Moran. Uh, so just anybody who's into those Pink Panther films, uh, there is a, another connection for you. Uh, you want but, to
1: laugh. Uh, Thunderbolt, I, I, I for some reason, just doesn't really work for me. And right. the the <laughs> the oddball remake attempt. To oh, reboot, God. <laughs> the, yeah,
2: uh, you'll, never say never. Twice or something. What do they call it? Never say never again. That was it.
1: Never Say Never Again. Actually, some of that. Some of it's that. It's better. <laughs> it's better.
2: Yeah. It is. I mean, you got freaking Mr. Bean in there and stuff. I, I thought that film was better. I People made fun of it like crazy, especially at the time in 84 or whatever it was. I kind of liked it even then.
1: But as you watch it over time, it's like... I like this better than Thunderbolt.
0: I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think there's a couple of missteps in that movie. We'll, we'll yeah. get to that as it seem to be going chronological. Oh my God. I hope we, we at least get through the bonds. Uh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's okay though. Cause if this is successful, you know, with our, our listenership, you know, we can always do part two because we really do have a lot. We love to talk about. We're really into this. Um, yeah. uh, it's fun. You could tell I'm really kind of I'm exuberant tonight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Shit. Oh, the Michelle Legrand score for Never Say Never. It's horrible. Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> it's it and, the wrong choice. You know the the John
2: Barry scores for, especially for Thunderbolt, is one of the most iconic ones out there. If you are into uh, Bruce Bloatation films from the seventies. In other words, after Bruce Lee died, and they started making all those, usually the modern films are the ones I like, and they've got people like you know Bruce Lai and Bruce Lee and Bruce Liang and Dragon Lee and wherever else, and they're all dressed up as somebody who, like you know in the Bruce Lee jumpsuit with the Bruce Lee haircut with the Bruce Lee shades, and they're going and doing some sort of you know more or less black exploitation sort of thing, uh, but obviously in China, Hong Kong, wherever the hell, Taiwan, even the Philippines. Uh, you will continually hear swipes from the James Perry Thunderbolt store. I mean, all the time. I'm sitting there watching. There was actually a couple of sets I watched recently that came out from, um, I think it was before – was it Brentwood? They were so, one of those companies that used to be cheap and then it became something better. It might have been Brentwood. Uh, and they have a bunch of these films
1: in there. And I saw maybe three films in the exact same set that were used in the
2: Thunderball music. I oh, know.
1: I know. I know that that, that very – that string, the string quartet part. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you exactly. mean, that part, yeah. That they, uh, they, da, da, they da, da, almost like, <laughs> yeah, almost like they looped it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, you
2: know, it got used again by the Throw Kill cult. And I mean, this was like a very, very, it may be the most popular
1: of all Bond scores, at least for swipes. Um, but, hey, you know, and, so, and something that we're, we're actually, something that we uh, we kind of dissed over being music guys as well is that the first, the first. Dr. No, it doesn't really have a, no. a I don't even a remember song. a score. Honey. There's Calypso songs in it, but it's just kind of like... Yeah, I'll just eat right. a mango, cheat me, honey. Yeah, well, that's not the I one, think, but... I think from Russia love, it's so slow and quiet. I like that. From Russia with Love by Matt Monroe. Matt Monroe was like a snatcher wannabe from like it's
0: Britain. It's,
1: it's fun, fun. <laughs> it's fun. And
0: like like Goldfinger...
1: That's Shirley Bassey, oh, Bassy, Shirley yeah. Bassey, Brassy Shirley Brassy, you know. Yep. Um, she can knock it out of the park in that one, but you she know, was, oh, go ahead. Thunderbolt Tom fucking Jones. <laughs> he sings his shit that song. Yeah, because I mean, Shirley Bassey was like Eartha Kit on steroids.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, like you said, Tom Jones, how can you beat that? I mean this guy he barely he was like the original um if you want to call it the male diva type, you know, where instead of singing a song he would kind of just shout it at the top of his lungs. There there he is, a thunderbolt.
1: like whoa. Hell but whoa, you know, whoa. Tom Jones is still around and now he's playing with guys like uh the Black Keys and stuff and he's doing yeah. some interesting stuff. So I, I kinda of like my love for Tom Jones is growing nowadays, but uh,
2: that's a good song. It's a good song. Tom Jones it was like Tony Bennett and they brought him back in the nineties and suddenly made him hip and he would pop up with things like you French know, oh.
0: song. Yeah,
2: I wouldn't compare him
1: to Tony. Tony's a
2: Tony king, I love man. Tony I love. You know, Tom Jones is kinda of like a joke, like, okay, I enjoy him, but it's like haha Tom Jones. But yeah, it's the same yeah. thing though, in the fact that you know, they're yeah, no, for right,
1: yep, you know, yep, years yeah, and all of a
2: sudden, bam, there they are and they're the epitome of cool. So he's uh, hip again,
1: he's hip again. Everything old is new again.
2: But, yeah, I actually thank you for saying that
1: because I was going to say it myself. I like, no comparison
2: between Tony Bennett
1: and Tom Jones. Good Lord. (laughs) But anyway. Now, the next next film we want to discuss is one of my personal favorites. I never can understand why. I love Uh,
2: that film because, for me, it's easy because the girls are fucking hot. (laughs) You got uh, Yoko, uh, what was it? Uh, it? Yoko (laughs) Tonic. Uh, well, Yokotani's in it, yeah, but uh, Akiko Wakabayashi, Miyahama, I mean, Saichin is the damn thing. You know, uh, once again, we got Bert Kwok. I don't know what he was doing there. It's supposed to be in Japan. Uh, Tetsuro the I mean, these people, if you don't know the names, let me give you some credits just so you can picture like, the films you've seen them in. Akiko was in Duggar the Space Monster, which is probably my favorite of all time except for Matango of Japanese uh, kaiju films. Uh, Gidra the Three-Headed Monster, What's Up Tiger Lily, which is that funny uh, Woody Alamo where he redubbed the uh, Kagi no Kagi, uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla, um, let's see, Mia Homo's in King Kong vs. Godzilla herself, um, Donald Pleasence is in the damn thing, uh, from Eye of the Devil,
1: Cul-de-sac, From Beyond the
2: Grave, Legend of the Minotaur, Halloween, the Frank Langella Dracula, Power Play, Night Creature, Escape from the Europe, and just keep going with this. And, the, and
1: the, fir- the first appearance of Blofeld.
2: Lofeld was in this as well that's well actually that's who he was. It's not pleasant uh you know Tetra Tambo was in processes of Nostradamus the Five man Army message from space, Sai Chin from the Flumenchu uh films uh rent a dick blow up um you know Karen Dor was in this from the Gowallace films
0: uh, yeah.
2: And Charles Gray, which is interesting because Charles Gray would become Blofeld, but who's not Blofeld here? Uh no. From The Beats Must Die, The Devil Rides Out, The Legacy, uh, Burt Kwok. Maki Uh, Yep. Um, it's, it's a really good, big cast. And it's set in Japan, and you've got these really hot freaking girls running around. And there's a lot of, <laughs> you know kind of cheesy culture shock and you know, like you know uh, first off they're all laughing because he's such a hairy guy which is kind of the same thing my wife did uh, coming down here you know thankfully I'm not that hairy but uh, despite being half the time but you know it's just like what's, what's in the body here you know like, what's this all about just, just being around Asians Uh so it was the same thing there. They were kind of laughing because, you know, Sean Connery's got hair on his back. He's, he's an ape. <laughs> so they got to shave his hair off and they he's all freaked out by that. They got the mixed bathing. He's like, oh, really? Okay. Um, you know, the whole scene that's in the volcano at the end, it's, it's just a good film. It's, it's comp, a comic book like the last couple, but it feels like a spy film. For me, this is my favorite. When I was talking about like my other two favorites, I think mm-hmm. From Russia With Love is my second. I used to think it was my first, but it's really not. This is the film I always go back to. People don't like it sometimes. I don't know why, uh, but it's a really, really a fun film and well cast. So, go ahead.
1: What do you want to say about this? Movie? Oh, oh no! I, I, I love to share this movie. I, I, I mean, "For much of what what Love" is my very, very, very favorite James Bond movie. Um, but I have a huge, huge love for this picture as well because, yeah, like I said before, I can't really put my fingers on it i i have no idea i'm sure i can find out i don't want to uh <laughs> how much this thing cost uh ken adams set it's just spectacular he was like the the prince of making forced perspective sets you know uh if you've seen any documentaries like ken used to they couldn't afford to make something so gigantic so they would make half of it and shoot from a particular angle, uh, but you know, that's a freaking volcano with a rocket coming out of it. And did these guys use models? Well, maybe for the stuff in space, but I think well, they used... For me, the king of that kind of thing is Mario
2: Baba, and we'll be talking about him in a couple of weeks. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you're right. This was really
1: impressive. You know, knowing right. that this was
2: not really location in a lot of cases, a lot of sets and stuff.
1: It's and, really... then when the, and then when the ninjas and Bond attacked <laughs> Low filled strongholds at the last about quarter of an hour. It's big. We're not talking eight guys on a suicide mission. We're talking like hundreds of people fighting, hundreds of people, ship blowing up. And those like, of
2: you who are comic book fans, especially from the seventies, who like the more sophisticated stuff, uh, like you know the Doctor Stranges and things like that, might be familiar with Master of Kung Fu, the Shang Chi comic, uh, which you know Paul Galassi and Doug Munch did this long story arc. Uh, where they went and there's a spy thing, you know, my a whole deal. And they went and invaded an underground like kind of under a mountain under a volcano uh thing of Fumichu and the same basic set and the same swipes were used. It was from this movie. Uh, it had that same sort of thing. So those who are into that sort of thing will really appreciate the connection. Other people, well, like I said, it, this movie is like a comic book, so there you go. Uh, the connection was made pretty apparent within a couple of years. <laughs> it, it's just a good film, It and I really think it's my favorite of the Bond films, period, but definitely of the Connery ones.
1: Uh, we're up to... Majesty On Her Secret
2: service. service. So, what happened was Connery said, That's it. That's my last film. I'm done with this. I don't want to get typecast. Which happens with a lot of people. Uh, some people get typecast and they're stuck. Connery was lucky enough and versatile enough that he was not. Um, but, but he, he felt it. A yeah. Oh, yeah, he definitely felt it. It definitely was a problem in the beginning. Uh, and that's why he took off. So, we got this fellow, George Lazmi, who they got, I think he was a New Zealand or a Kiwi. Um, He's kind of, you know how we talked about the other week about British guys like, you know, Charlie Hartree type where they got the big lantern jaw and they're kind of like, you know, uh, six yeah. and a half feet tall and like, you know, but they're not really muscular. They're just kind of big and gawky. He was one of those. And I guess they figured he would be a good replacement. I don't know why. He has a really bad reputation or used to among Bond films. I think it's kind of re- reversed over the years and people don't mind him as much. But when I was growing up, the, he was the joke. It was like, oh, yeah, who, who do you get for Bond, George Lazenby? You, you have a George Lazenby of the group. <laughs> it was almost like saying you were the Peter Lawford
1: of the group. for those. But, who now, but now it's like referred to as everybody's favorite number one. I didn't hear that, but I knew it
2: was reversing. I know people didn't like have that disrespect yeah. for him anymore. Uh, oh oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not not him so much, but the movie. The movie. It's a strange film, and I'll tell you, Lazmi himself, I got a little more respect for him seeing him in Who Saw Her Die? Chiavista Maria, which when we talk oh, about yeah. Jowels, Uh if we ever do. <laughs> um, we will. You know, he – and he was in a couple other things. He had a lot of trouble in the 70s after this. Once again, he got kind of typecast, and because people hated his film so much and made fun of him so much, he had a lot of trouble, period. So he wound up in Who Saw or Die? He wound up in Came to Death, Kentucky Fried Movie, uh, and Al Adams, Jim <clears throat> Kelly, Death Dimension, uh, Man from Hong Kong with Jimmy Wang Yu. I mean, he was just going all over the world. Oh, that's good, world. though.
1: That's good. Those, those, uh, those two pictures he did for uh, – is it Brian Trenchard Davis? Yeah, yeah, those yes. are good. But, you know, he's basically oh. going all over the world to trying to get a job. Um,
0: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. The film yep. doesn't deserve it. it it's yeah, I think it's a better film than that. And, you know, you got Telly Savalas in it as, uh, the, I guess he's the Blofeld analog, if he wasn't He Blofeld is himself. Blofeld. He is Blofeld. Um, yeah. I liked him in it. I mean, he's, uh, it's Telly Savalas. I mean, you can't really take him as seriously as some other people maybe. But, you know, look, we just have Donald Pleasance doing it. I mean, this, this is, is not, Telly not did that
0: did bad. a
1: fine job. I think Telly did yeah. a fine job. He was actually one of the few times it was actually he toned down the blusteriness to become a little bit more insidious. And I think Tilly did. well. uh, you know, people tend to forget that, uh, Tilly was a good actor when called upon. And when he actually searched him himself and brought forth something, I mean, God knows, uh, uh, there's a twilight zone episode from the sixties, which he's phenomenal. In. I don't remember the title. It's about his daughter, uh, having a, uh, a fixation on a small oh, the doll. doll. Yeah, yeah doll,
2: talking teddy or how it was. She, yeah, um,
1: I don't take
2: you <laughs> talking Tina. Telly's
1: amazing in that. Telly's also very good in. Um, uh, it might it might be the Battle of the Bulge, a flick from his, the sixty three sixty four Henry Fonda. I mean, he could really. He's good in the Dirty Dozen. I Very... always liked Kelly, but he's usually the same kind of
2: character. You know, Kojak and Dirty Dozen, Escape to Athena, if you remember that one. Uh, well, he yeah. A of... when
1: he, once he got to the Kojak thing, he became Ho- Kojak. He was already doing Kojak when he did Horror Express. <laughs> Horror Express. Oh, I love doing Horror Express. <laughs> but Kojak no, I think, I think Kelly was fine. Um, you know, Diana Rigg is in this, and it's weird. You know, um, Emma Peel, the Avengers, she left the Avengers to do this. Uh, one of the reasons. And um, you know Mrs. Peel, my God, you know the freaking paint's coming off the walls. She's so hot, but in this movie she's she's cold. She's cold. Obviously, you've never seen
2: her big feet.
1: (laughs) Wow, my big feet, my big feet. My
2: my wife and I noticed that when we were watching the Avengers last time the M P
1: L years, and she pointed
2: out, "I'm like, you're right. She's like these gunboat feet." (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that. There's too many fetishes out there anyway. (laughs) <laughs> now, every time somebody says how hot a peel
1: is, I'm like, yeah, but she's got huge feet. <laughs> wow. Well, no, I, I just thought she was cold. She is really it. attractive. Yeah. She's very, I mean, she's insanely attractive in this movie. She's an Italian contestant. What? Yeah, but she is. Uh, Gabriel <laughs> Pruzzetti plays her father. He's, he's, he's terrific in whatever he does. You know, uh, from that fantastic Argento movie, Where with the Crystal Boom, she's in that. Right. Um, you know my big problem with this movie. I like it. I like it a lot, and my appreciation grows with it. But Peter Hunt, the director, the credited director, I will say at least, was known as a stunt man and a second unit director, which means he's the guy when the main director's out shooting the key scenes with his actors. He's doing the action shit elsewhere. Right. So Peter Hunt's good. You watch all these Bond movies up to this point, you know. Look, at, we just talked about You Only Live Twice, which has some really good for its time, 1967, great fucking action stuff. He gets the direct *Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, which for years was the longest Bond movie ever. Yes, um, yes. And it's got the most disjointed, herky-jerky fucking horrible editing ever. I mean, I, I you know... I do do they do you have to chalk it up to maybe Lace and B wasn't great as a fighter? No, because even the the movement scenes, it's only when they're on the ice and the latter part of the movie where the editing gets a little bit better. It's just it's like wow, this thing is edited with a hacksaw. Yeah,
2: see, when you're telling me that people think this is like the best Bond film, they've got to be high. I don't know what they're smoking. It must be some funny cigarettes or something. I mean like lace with PCPs and cigarettes Um, because I thought this film was a fucking mess. It's just that I liked telly in it. Diana Riggs in it, which was a plus. I didn't think she was particularly good in it. Um, there's that weird soapy element where it's like, oh yes, I fall in love and i not gonna get married. No, she died, and the film ends, and it's like they the, the Oh, you spoiled it
1: for everybody.
2: Oh but, please, yeah. we haven't seen it by now. It's cheesy, people. It, it's really kind of sucks in that respect. Um, but the but you know what's really got got fun stuff me. in it
1: though? Because when Bond's oh, yeah. on the, sh- he's in the chateau, right? And he's like. Yeah, he beds all these women one after another. That's all What worked
2: for me. What works <laughs> for me is the whole thing in the chateau, this wonderful Switzerland chateau, ice, yeah. you know, great resort kind of thing. i it's real. The it was mountains. real, too. The whole thing with the ski lifts and wherever the hell else and climbing the mountain and whatever. Really, really good shit. Uh, and some really gorgeous, actually famous cult actresses in that, Jenny Hanley from Scars of Dracula, Pete Walker's Flesh yeah. and Blood Show. She was the Irish because he had like a. These angels of death, and they're supposed to be women from all over the world. So she's supposed to be the
1: Irish one. You had oh uh, well, yeah, because Lopel was was uh, hypnotizing them, and then maybe poisoning them with something, and he was going to send them out to like screw these rich people and like, take over the world or something. Exactly, it was kind of like uh, the uh,
2: Franco film, the Fu Manchu one. What was that Kiss and Kill? Brides of uh, Fu Manchu. Yeah, or exactly. Same yeah, yeah. idea. Uh, maybe this is where you got the idea from. Maybe this was the reverse. I forget which one came first. It was based around the same time. Same time. But Julie Yeag was in this. You know, from films like Ren and Dick, Creatures of War, Forgot, yeah. Crazed, Mutations. Um, she's supposed to be the Scandinavian one, which was obvious. Uh, Anushka Hempel. You know, my favorite from uh, Zodiac and um, Who Done It and you know, the other films that we can't get right now, which I'm a little pissed off about. Like uh, what the hell was that? Not Modesty plays Tiffany Jones. Um. But she was in films like Kiss of the Vampire, Scars of Dracula, um, Joanna Lumley, you know, Patsy from Avvab. Yes. She was also in House of the Blood. And of course, when we talk about it, the new Avengers, uh, Trail of the Pink Panther, you know, Satanic Rights of Dracula. Um, she's the English girl, obviously. Um, who else was there? Was there anybody else that was. Oh, Catherine Schell, who was in yes. uh, City of Death in Space 1999, the, the crappy second season, Moon Zero right. Two. Um, and then a bunch of nobody's that were too attractive. You know, there's there's a, somebody, uh, Mona Chong. God knows who that is. She was the Chinese girl. There was a Jamaican girl. There was an Indian girl who was just went by Zara. Uh, there was an Israeli girl, a German girl, an American girl, and they were all basically you know nobody would know. But still, I mean, it was nice. And uh, it, the setting up there, the snowy setting, it almost reminded me of uh, Where Eagles Dare. You know, the same kind of a feel. Uh, so that
1: works for me very well. The one of these days, we have, we have to put together a list of like bizarrely fantastic war films from this time period and do a show on that. Because I love the hell out of that movie. Yeah, there was a <laughs> lot of movies
2: there. Uh, the, the trick is, for me, it's like Spaghetti Westerns. I've seen a lot of them, but they all kind of blur after a while. Unless you go by the cast. And then I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I, this one stood out because this guy was in it or whatever. But um, So for me, the movie worked with... Kelly and with that chateau and with these beautiful girls in uh, that setting, you know, the whole Scandinavian setting. But outside of that, when you get to the drama and the romance and whatever, it's like, ugh. and Lazenby, for all his virtues or lack thereof in other films, really was kind of flat. He was not a good bond. Uh, he was kind of supplanted. Ah. I think the reason he got reassessed was we got Timothy Dalton, and everybody's like, "Well, this guy sucks," and they went back and saw that. Oh yeah, well, he
1: had a precedent. It was George Lazenby. So. Oh uh, well, well, no, I like Dalton. I like Dalton. <laughs> Hopefully, we get the Dalton. Uh, we, you know, I not as I'm not as hard as Lazenby. Uh, I think I think if we had a if we had more Lazenby, I think um, it'd be different. <laughs> I I I don't record. know whether whether he was a model who was too big for his purchase or or the, the guy who said he didn't I want to do anymore decided
2: he wanted to come back. The story I heard, and I don't know how true this is, and I thought it was in the press and not just from, like, my mother's lips because, you know, those means nothing. You know, it's biased all the time. But, uh, yeah. you know, she always despised him and always said, oh, yeah, he was all full of himself and thought he was God's gift to women and, you know, God's gift wow. to acting. After getting the Bond thing, and he was going around bragging about it and how he was going to, you know, Sean Connery's shit and he's going to be the greatest Bond. And he kind of sucked. And he had stepped on so many toes with the producers, the directors, everybody possible, that that's why he wasn't blacklisted, but almost kind of fell out of favor for an entire decade plus, you know, struggling to find work.
0: Uh, uh-huh. Kind of
2: crashed. you know. what, It's like Marissa Tomei, same shit. You know, like oh yeah, I'm a diva, and you, there's all you guys one fucking film behind. You forget about it, buddy. So there you go. That that was the story
1: I heard about last week How true it is, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, you know, I have to say though that Diamonds Are Forever is one of the ones I like the most. Uh
2: it's an iffy film. And actually, that's supposedly supposedly the fact, this thing that happened last week is why because Connery didn't want to do it. And they came knocking on his door like, OK, what do we do? We got to bring him back. And he basically gave him an insane demand. This is where Dr. Oh, oh. Evil comes in. One
1: million dollars. Yes.
2: Yeah. He he was just like this asshole right now that became the Speaker of the House saying making insane demands, hoping that – or assuming that nobody would take him up on it. And then they do anyway, so congratulations, Republicans. But anyway, <laughs> uh, in this case… They did it with Sean Connery, and they gave him his insane demands. He got something like, you know, t- two and a half times the salary he was making, and you know, basically he, he got concierge service all the way to get this to do this one last film, and and still told him like, look, you know, if I do this, this is it, one shot, and now I'm gone, and that's what he did. Uh, it's an iffy but, film. But go ahead. Uh,
1: no, I, 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 think what hurts this movie a lot. Um, Sid Higgs <laughs> hey, no, that's not in the lot. Oh, no, okay. I, I, so happy. I mean, you know, Jill, Jill, Jill St. John, who's like. Oh? Jill St. John's very attractive, but goofy. I mean,
2: you're talking about a woman she's that was in the yeah. Store
0: yeah. Who's my This store? is like
2: Jerry Lewis. Let's cast her as a Bond girl. Like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's one of the few times, folks, you will look at Jill St. John and say, yeah, I do her. Yeah, um, no, she's attractive in this one, for sure. And Lana Wood is in this thing briefly. Lana Wood, who's in the Red Brown Captain America
2: movie, so you know you're talking about a big name here. <laughs> plenty of tool. It, it, ridiculous. First of all, she's got this even cheesier name and pussy galore. And secondly, yeah. it's like, plenty of tool.
1: I mean, no, she's just got big knockers. <laughs> like
0: just, you know, she she gets thrown, thrown into the water. water.
1: But, yeah. I think the thing I was leading into is that for whatever reason, Connery decided to like assume the the, the, the toupee. So I was going with this balding stuff. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. But he got totally out of shape, and he just looked older than his years. Yeah. Um, um, he just decided, well, I'm going to be like schlup my way
2: through this thing. Um
1: yeah, He is so... not
2: the quote sexy Bond that all the women were going
1: crazy over. No, but he's very energeti- unenergetic, and he's. Yeah. Uh, I guess something can be said for which is is funny though. You know, like. Phew, How many years later? 12 years later? 15 years later? When he does Never Say Never, he's the older Bond, and and it worked. But here, I don't know. And and who's the director on this thing? Is it Guy Hamilton? Uh, I think it was, yeah. Who did Goldfinger, which is fine. But I don't know. It's it's just they're trying it's nineteen seventy one, so they're trying to be hip, they're trying to be trendy, they're trying to be psychedelic. It's, it, two, it's
2: set in friggin' Vegas. You've got uh, okay, the only thing that works is Charles Gray as Blofeld. Uh he's kind yeah. of the iconic Blofeld, even though we've had a couple already that weren't too bad. Um, no, he's very good. He's
1: very good, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: But the rest of I it mean you got friggin' Jimmy Dean in this movie, you know, it's like that blustery American gambler guy. Uh, I mean the sausage guy, the sausage yes. guy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I mean, it was like, oh, I'm
1: guaranteeing mustaches,
2: Was this the one with Bambi and Thumper? I, th- I think that was. Yes. Uh, so it was yes. that one, you know, because everybody remembers Bambi and Thumper. They're kind of, I don't know if they were supposed to be lesbians or what, but they were definitely like the original uh, Xenia Onatops, you know, it's kind of deadly women that were like, oh, yeah, they're all sexy and then they're going to get crunchier. <laughs> yeah, but, you
1: know, they're in the movie too briefly to even, like, think about it. I don't yeah. know how. Um, they were, they were
2: uh, not there long enough, that's true. But not the film, there long enough. Yeah, but the, I two, mean, the, I,
1: two, the two the two uh killers who are in hindsight have been called gay killers, but I just thought they were two crazy buddies. Uh, Mr. Wint and Mr. whatever the hell they were. Kid.
2: Mr. Kit. Yeah, they they were so so gay. I, mean, I don't know how you could even dispute that. <laughs> who's who's the one guy, Glover? uh, uh Bruce Glover and uh um, Bruce Glover.
1: Putter Smith. Yeah.
2: Smith, yeah. Oh, you thought they were gay? Oh. oh, I always thought that. Even when I was young, I'm like, there's something going on between these two guys. This isn't normal. <laughs> yeah, like, Back in
1: the 70s. But like, they, oh. they were a bright spot in the film. Uh, I think one of the oh, best, yeah. the, one of the, you know, it's got some. memories.
2: You know
1: If you remember Bons Killers and...
2: from Bond movies besides, uh, you know, Odd this is the one you remember. Odd Job was in the shoes and, you know,
1: Winton, uh, what's her name there?
2: Kid. <laughs> Kitten, <laughs> as in Captain.
1: Yeah, um, like when he's in the funeral home, they lock him in the coffin, and they they want to. What is that? When they want to burn the body and cheat the family out of cremation. Cremation.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. yeah. uh, that you love me. Uh, yeah, that's a good scene. That, that's a pretty good scene. I you know, like the freaking thing is burning. It looks like it's really hot in there. Um, uh-huh. I don't know, the whole thing falls apart when he gets in this like little Volkswagen moon buggy running around the Vegas desert yep. chased by ridiculousness. That was the worst um, part. And they tried it they snatched that scene from Doctor No and they try to remake it for, for Diamonds Are Forever when they ended up on the uh this uh like oil rig, remember at the end of Diamonds? Yep. yep. It's it very much harkens back to Doctor No. You know, like this, you know, maybe we're going to do some nasty things to Jill St. John's character, which I forgot the name. Of, uh, oh,
0: wow.
1: Uh, no, she was something cheated. Tiffany Case. Tiffany Case, yeah, okay, okay. And just the ending of that I was like, yeah, okay, yes, you know. I just, it was lesser. Even when I saw yeah. it first, on, I was like, oh, this is so disappointing. <laughs>
2: I think the most memorable scene for me was him sitting in the toilet to go upstairs. Remember? He goes into the crapper and that takes him up into the, the secret hideout.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, well, really? Charles is Gray
1: was good, Matt. Charles Gray was good. Oh, yeah, that. Charles huh. Gray was great. No
2: problem with him. Um, so, anyway, then they decided okay, well, now we really got to do something. So, they found and what, what do we do, who's popular. Well, we could take you know X, Y, and Z from television because the the spy thing had scattered out to TV already. Which who knows if we'll get to talk about that today, or if we'll just leave it for the the cult film day. Uh, but they looked for who could we use that would be a good fit, and we said, well, look at this fellow Simon Templar. He's pretty dapper. He's got a good sense of humor. He's Earth, really fabulous, Earth, he can sure wear a suit in in that movie, and not so much in the movies, but in in the show in the Saint, especially in the black and white era. He in really real could, life. You know, <laughs> But he can really work a quiff. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Quiff. And Roger
1: Moore dressed like nobody, man. You know, when he was doing yeah. the... He was the Fabergé spokesman for years. So exactly. yeah, Exactly. No, so they... They brought him in, and a lot of
2: people were upset because, you know, all the way through his reign, not just at the beginning, uh, because he was not Sean Connery. But, you know, what do you want? Sean Connery wanted to do something else. He had gotten old and fat and bald and wanted to become a serious actor and do, you know, Losey films or whatever the hell. Uh, So... You know, here's Roger Moore and he does an interesting one to kick. Off. They yeah, do a yeah. pseudo black exploitation because it's nineteen seventy three. Black exploitation, right. which we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks, is in full flare, And he, they put in a beautiful, beautiful young James Seymour. I mean, if you ever thought <laughs> nothing. If you if you thought J. C. Moore sucked and everything she did, all you can think of is Doctor Quinn, like my wife. Oh god, freaking Doctor Quinn! No, watch this movie. You will fall in love with her. Like, holy shit, this girl is gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> it's like you want to eat her alive. She's just so hot. Um, Gloria Hendry pops up in this from Black Belt Jones, Hell up in and Oh, she's, right great. Up she's great. She's yeah. fantastic. Um, you got Jeffrey yeah, Holder, like at Baron Somdi. Yafakoto's yeah. in the damn thing. He's, he's the baddie. Mr. Bigger, or it was. Um, yeah, and you also don't know Yafakoto, He's in stuff like Drum, Truck Turner, Friday Foster, Bone, Freddy's Dead. Uh, you know, Julius Harris is in this, who was the father that ended up taking over Fred Williamson's operation in uh, the Black Caesar sequel, or whatever the hell that was called. Uh, can't remember at the moment. Do uh, you know what you want to talk about? Hell Up in Harlem. That was it. Hell up
0: in uh, Harlem, right.
2: Let's see. Who else is in this? Um, Roy Stewart, Earl Jolly Brown. I mean, you know, the guy that's only whispering. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's basically... Oh, and Madeline Smith is in it. Talking about beautiful women. Uh, the oh, Redhead. Uh, Taste the Blood of yeah. Dracula. Vampire Lovers. Frank Sinemals from Hell. Theater of Blood. Um, you know... I, of, of the Roger Moore Bond films, this was always one of my favorites, too. Yeah, that's Just good. That's I good. love black exploitation. Yeah. It's it's so, you know, and this is a exploitation film with Bond thrown in for the hell of it. I love when he goes into the bar in Harlem, and they're all kind of staring. He's sitting there ordering a drink, and they're like,
1: what are you doing here? <laughs> 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 he
0: sits down here. It's and a nice, a
1: and, there's a nicer, yeah, and there's a nice early 70s car chase on the FDR drive, yes. too. And New York's FDR Drive. It's very... It's a, it's, a, it's a funny thing. Before they get to Haiti, it's a very New York kind of movie. And
2: um, I, I've mentioned The Saint before. I'm sorry. He actually had done The Persuaders as well before
1: this. Yeah, which I like a lot.
2: Another show I love with Tony Curtis. We'll talk about that one. Yeah, a- yeah.
1: All those Tony Curtis naysayers. Tony Roxiness.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't care what you think about Tony Curtis. I mean, to me, he was always kind of a joke, but I love him in the show. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and The
1: Great Race, which is, like, one of my favorite films of all time, but that's another story.
2: What about The Manitou?
1: (laughs) The Great Race, dude, not The Manitou. (laughs) I love The Manitou. (laughs) I've seen it a lot, but I don't know. Anyway, we digress, but that's what we're known for. (laughs) That's right. Uh,
2: Plus, we gave ourselves a good laugh. Um,
1: Uh, Um. so, yeah, no, uh, Live With That Die? And it's at the theme song. Let's go back to that theme for a minute. Oh, yeah, my cart-, cart and wings. This yeah. is right after
2: the Beatles were over with, and he's doing it at the best period of his wings stuff, you know, because later on that kind of sunk too. Um, I know,
1: This is the Venus of Mars, you know, rock show. Just exactly. like, he's surrounding it with his best albums with that band. Um, This is a great rocking song. It's one of the. B- Best. Wasn't it right before uh, Band on the Run? So he's right at his strongest
2: period here. This is, this is like Paul at his strength of his solo. I think career. it's
1: right. Yeah, 70. Well, what are we
2: talking about? It's 75, right? I think. So this is 73.
1: No, yeah. This is 73. No, it's about this time. It's right yeah, around it's this up,
2: time. Exactly. So yeah. he's
1: really kicked in there. Uh, yeah,
2: it's, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, Um There was a horrible yeah. cover by Guns N' Roses. Less said about that, the better. But, you know, oh. it was. A re- service. What? Wow. Uh, <laughs> um, did you ever hear their version of uh what the hell was it? Symphony for the Devil? Oh. What, Guns N' Roses' most overrated. Band. Do not blaspheme on that song. The the world's <laughs> most overrated Friggin' band. My my friend used to say you 2 was no, Guns N' Roses is uh <laughs> zero talent except for Slash. Uh anyway, uh so we move on to the man with the golden gun, which uh, this is where I think people really stopped questioning, like, okay, what do I think about Roger Moore, and started either loving him or hating him. Uh, talk about getting comic booky. This is where it just kind of gets cheesy. There's a, the problem with the, uh, with the Moore era is there's a strong emphasis on comedy. He was kind of naturally quirky, you know, because especially for The Saint and all that stuff. He's kind of used to giving you that goofy, like, boyish face and the nod and the wink. Um, now... I think they're just kind of writing to that and making it super cheesy. Um, you've got Christopher Lee in this film as uh, Scarabunga there with his uh, extra nipple and all this crap. Why does he have an extra nipple? That's one weird thing. Um, you know, and he's supposed to be the great killer or whatever. All he needs is one bullet from his special gun. And uh, you've got Harvey Villachez, who right before he did uh, Fantasy Island, uh, the little midget guy. Um Maud Adams is in this one. Uh pretty girl who wound up an octopusy later and things like uh roll the Ball, tattoo, uh, Angel Three, Solomon of all things. Um I don't well, know if there's anybody else of interest in this film. Oh Britt Eklund. Britt Eklund was in this
1: one. Uh, who was the Britt and, uh Maud Adams, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Britt Eklund was famous for the Wicker Man, that great uh, nude dance she does, you know, hey who who are you? Uh and of course, she was the French uh, with Rod Stewart on Tonight's the Night. She was the, his girlfriend at the time. Married, uh, I, I think. Yes, but and she was kind of like a, a Z grade actor at that time. She did things like that with the so On Asylum, The Monster Club. Uh, pretty girl, but that's first off, she was probably the worst of the Bond uh, girlfriends at the time because she was totally hopeless. She was kind of like. Uh the worst aspects of Joe Grant from Dr. Who like we talked about last time, uh but even like magnified to the point where any feminist that saw this would be horrified because <laughs> she's totally the bubble headed hopeless blonde, you know, oh, yes, let me go help you out, ah, I'm in trouble, help me out, I'm like oh God Almighty. Oh, well you, I, I okay,
1: go ahead, uh, go ahead go ahead, I hate this fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> this you this is what I mean to me, yes. This is to me the worst Bond film ever next to <laughs> one we're gonna discuss a little later on. uh, uh which which they both <laughs> they both share an actress too, oddly, you know. Um, uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, I don't think I that was Yeah, uh, I saw this first run, I was like, Wow, Christopher Lee's a villain I bought the poster because actually posters pretty good. The pre-release poster was this uh, golden gun being assembled from a gold cigarette lighter or some shit. It was like really cool. I used to have it on my wall. Then I saw the movie. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And <laughs> don't forget, smoking the
2: bandit must have been popular around now because this is what, the first of two films that had uh, I forget the whole guy's name. Like, Sheriff. Scene, but what was I, that I, guy Sheriff J. C. Yeah.
0: Pepper. Sheriff J.D. Pepper. It's got that like
2: yeah. Dukes has, and he was like a crush between Roscoe P. Coltrane and Boss Hog all in one, or, you know, Smokey and the Bandit, or, you know, any of those... old hit cops. Boy, I'm gonna get your ass, and I'm gonna put you away for good. And, of course, he's a moron, and, they know, pulling all his jokes on, him and he winds up in the river, and all like... He was on vacation in Thailand or some shit. Or was that the next one? Uh,
1: yeah. I don't know, right?
2: oh, now, This one, I think, is on vacation in Thailand. The next one was when he was down south again. I don't know. There, there yeah. were... His uh, introduction to the series, the short lived it was, was pretty... Uh, yeah, I uh, showed so, so you but... a It was a bad choice. <laughs>
1: it was nice to see... Uh, it was nice to see him try to get that kung fu thing in there, but it was like half-hearted. It was like the half-hearted... You know, it was like the half-hearted Bond movie. And, yeah. and Christopher Lee... <laughs> but, you know, Christopher Lee's a villain. You know, Christopher Lee... Um, this is like Bible lore at this point that, you know, uh, if you know anything about Christopher Lee in his life, his family is actually related to Ian Fleming. So this was big for him to be in this movie. It was a big thing. And um, he he's perfect for a bomb villain, just not this movie. And... <laughs> Yeah, you know, Scaramanga is a good character. He's like an ace assassin. He's a man with no qualms. He's a he's a great killer. Um, he's got a lot of money. That, but he was terrible in this film. <laughs> I know. I'm up to that point. Well, <laughs> there's there's yeah. So what happens at the end? Yeah. Okay. So Scaramanga has this island paradise where he has. A, I think it's like a nuclear reactor or something. Right. There's one guy running everything on the island. I'm like, wait a minute. You got this big <laughs> island. He has his, he has a own plane too, and yep. and but there's only Scaramanga is one guy. Yep. You remember it was like it was like a token black guy. You figure he has all this money he's supposed to be making
2: from his like expensive kills, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he's so powerful and he's so scary, but he only has one freaking guy working for
1: him. Like what is this? They blew out and the you're budget right. on the was somehow. They did. Like Doctor No, like, they, they had like his man Friday or some shit. Well, come on, yeah, really? there was no <laughs> there were no there was no money in the budget for extras. So I remember specifically Bond gets the islands is one black guy in a jumpsuit it was like <laughs> I'm working the buttons. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know,
2: where, and this we... is the year after they just did a black exploitation Bond. You got Black Empowerment one year, and the next one they're doing this. I'm like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like they really didn't. It seems cheap too. It seems like a cheap Bond movie. I don't know why. Uh, sucks. There's no <laughs> two ways about it. it sucks. It's funny. Now, you know, there's, it's... But there's love for this movie. I mean some fans like this movie. I'm always curious why. Maybe we um, have
2: the Paulie Simon song,
1: this spy. Love me. Nobody does it better than you. But well, when did get to that one yet. <laughs> oh that's now, right. This is the... excellent. This is Lulu. This is Lulu. Oh <laughs> Lulu.
0: <laughs> that's even worse.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. yeah, okay, so let's put this in perspective. Back in the sixties, Lulu. To serve with love. Can can't that. <laughs> no, she was good for what she did. Lulu for me is always gonna be ab-fab. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I love to serve with love, but I just thought she was weak. It's almost she's like the Sam what the hell's his name? Sam help me. Smith? Oh Sam yeah, Smith. S- yeah, mm-hmm. Sam Smith will be remembered as much as Lulu. So uh <laughs> and about as well. You've heard it from the words of me. So <laughs> <laughs> Two years. What was
2: that? What was that song? What, the um, one he just for uh, Spectre?
1: Spectre, or the one yeah. you talk
2: about Lulu's? Um, what the Spectre, it? What Spectre. was the man with the golden gun? The man with the golden
0: gun. He's got the run. Oh my god! Now he's got a powerful weapon. He weapon. charges. <laughs> Who wrote
1: this? <laughs> I don't think it was Barry. No, I don't think it's it wasn't Barry. Barry.
2: There's no way. Uh, he's got a
1: powerful weapon. You're right. He charges, the man charges a, a shot.
0: A shot. <laughs> the man with the
1: golden and it's something they were doing a lot at that time it was period.
2: All about phallic imagery and,
1: and come jokes. Yeah, growth. but they were they were trying to get their singers to use the glottal stop in their voice.
0: I was like, what? <laughs>
1: now things improved with the
2: next picture. Yeah, the spy who loved me. Uh, what I like about this one is Barbara Bach, uh, who was, of course, in things like The Unseen and Screamers for Sergio Martino, uh, Big Alligator River, uh, Caveman, which is where she met her future husband Ringo Starr, uh, Blackfoot yeah. Tarantula, of Glass Dolls, Street Law for Enzo Castellari. Uh, very pretty Italian girl. Um, yes, yeah. Kurt Jorgens was in this one. From when God Created a Woman and Vault of Horror for Amicus and The Waltz. And he's that like,
1: that kind of thing we were talking about before. The the Gert Frobe. Yes. You know, that that kind of imagery. Yeah. The
2: suave yet sinister Germanic uh baddie huh. basic. I oh, thought that uh, kind of was
1: fun. Yeah.
2: And this is actually where they introduced the Jaws character, which is probably the only good thing Richard Keel ever did in his career, it wasn't kind ego. Uh <laughs> Uh, this was the first one of the Jaws ones. It was less campy than the one that came later, where he got involved with the little girl with the braces. That was just weird. Um, Cowan Munro was in this one. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, yeah, Everybody knows, You know, Captain Cronos, uh, Dracula seventy two, Maniac, uh, Star Crash, Don't Up With the Christmas, Slaughter's Eye, uh, Franco's Faceless.
0: Valerie um, Leone
1: was in this, too. Valerie Leone, you're right. Uh, let's yeah. see who was um She's she's the, a a hotel a hotel major D or something like Bond goes into a hotel. yeah she's like the the pilot or some crap and she's they no that was, and she that was Caroline that was Caroline Caroline yeah yeah uh, it's a fun but, movie though it's it's fun the 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 locales are exotic as they should look and and uh, moves at a good pace um, it's the first time they moved into the new Bond. Uh, Super stages, uh, what was it, Pinewood? Yeah, Pinewood, I yeah. think. This is and one of the ones so, I saw in a the
2: theater. I saw three yeah. of them in a row at a the theater. Uh, or maybe four, I'm sorry. I saw four of them in a row at the theater, and this was the first one. Uh, enjoyed the shit out of it at the time. Of course, I was little. Um,
0: yeah. But, you
1: know, it, it was okay. For for the Roger Moore ones, it wasn't bad at all.
0: No, no, uh, they, had
1: this, they, they had these two submarines in the Pinewood sound stages. I remember this. And they 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 like borrowed two full fledged uh, U.S. or British subs. So the Pinewood sound stages were so huge. I think they're shooting Star Wars there now. God knows. Yeah. And it was it was a big thing, like biggest sound stage in the world. And like we got two subs. I'm like, holy shit, look at that! It's a fun movie. It's it's like chick your brain at the door. Um, Richard Keeler's as Jaws is. He's actually okay in this as as that kind of villain thing. Um, I think they tapped it out too much for the next picture. Um, yes. But it's an enjoyable movie. And, you know, lots of eye candy. And actually, this is one of the uh, times, one of the few times where Roger Moore's Bond actually can exhibit a little bit of the Fleming character. He grabs a guy... Uh, They're in Egypt, I think. Well, the Middle East, at least. They're they're near a parapet. He grabs a guy by his tie and he decides to let him go or something like that. Remember that? Yes, I do. Um... And that was pretty much uh, something for these kind of movies at the time.
2: Yeah, that was kind of rare, especially for a Moore Bond.
1: Uh, he was
2: not as cold-blooded as uh, Connery was by any means. Uh, it's kind of like comparing the uh, Emma Peel era or later John Steed to the John Steed that was came before when he was just kind of a cold-blooded killer. Uh, he, he lost a lot of that as he moved into the later 60s. Um, so anyway, we go on to another film that… It seems like everybody in the world hates, but I, I charge that the people that hate this have not gone to the theater and seen it that way.
1: Because oh, I thought Raker. it was
2: fantastic in the theater. It really was a spectacle. Is uh, this
1: Savage saying Moonraker was fantastic? I loved it.
2: I, I loved this film <laughs> in the theater. It was fantastic. Um, it was right after Star Wars and all that crap. It was before Indiana Jones. It was a big spectacle film. Now, yeah. is it a good film per se? Does it hold up as well as, you know, childhood memories of seeing it in the theater? No, but I did enjoy the film. Um, and you've got Corrine Clary in it, however, briefly, and I love Corinne Clary. Um,
1: let's see, who else is in the you know, you know, it's funny, I have to kick myself in the ass. Uh, she she was at, at a show uh, last year. And really? I met Corrine Clary, and all I'm thinking is that David Hess movie and blah, blah, blah. And then some sleazy pictures. And I forgot she was a moonraker. Oh, which is like on. huge. The first thing I would have thought it was Story yeah, of Mo. But... Well no, I remember that. I mean but I forgot she was a Moonraker, you know. And Hitchhike and but yes, Moonraker, yeah. Well no, I remember uh, that too. Uh... <laughs> well I figured it maybe no sleeves. But
2: uh <laughs> you know, of course it's again, we're not someone a fantastic film by any means. It's comic booky. I was young, there's a lot of things there, but if you're going to go see a movie in a theater, especially the, the way they make films nowadays, because they didn't really make cheesy blockbuster films that didn't have a you know check your brain at the door kind of stuff as much back in the 70s. The 70s were more like intellectual films and shit like that, you know, artsy films, whatever.
1: Uh, or very in, violent, very violent, downbeat, right. triste pictures, yeah.
2: Whereas you got this, and it's like, what the hell is this comic book shit?
1: But if you watch it now, it's, I,
2: I think if they put it back in the theaters, people would love it, because it's just... Big. I mean, the guy's like kidnapping a rocket to go to the moon. It's just, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, isn't there uh, the usual uh, globe trotting type shit where may, I don't know if they were in India or wherever the hell they went? Um, it's just a cheesy, comic booky uh, Roger Moore Bond film, but I really had fond memories of it. And I thought that even though it doesn't hold up like it, that in any respect, I still enjoyed it. I mean, you're seeing him stuck in that thing when the rocket's about to go off. I'm like, really, he's going to get out of this? He's like stuck in the rocket bay. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it it has its moments to be sure,
1: uh, especially I compared to some the, of the other films he did that were like, eh. I forgot the name of the other actress who was in this. Uh,
2: what the hell? Was her uh, name? I don't know. Let's see who
1: else is in this. Emily Holden.
2: Uh, she was the Manuela uh-huh. from Rio. Um, Blanche Revelock who was
1: Joe's girlfriend yeah. as a
0: kid. That
2: was
1: horrible. Gosh. Uh, I met her somewhere. She did a lot of TV, too. Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, the, yeah. the main guy was Michelle Lonsdale? Yes. He was the main villain. Uh, Drac. Actually, the book, the Ian Fleming book, oddly enough, which precedes this film by decades, is actually yeah. uh, prescient because they're talking about moon rockets and shit like that. So it's funny that 20 years later they make this movie and you think, oh, they they just bastardized the Fleming story. No, the Fleming book, if you read it, talks about this kind of stuff that actually happens at Moonraker. So it's not that far off. Uh, One of the reasons why I like the Moonraker book, and I have a bit of a soft spot, I thought Michelle Lonsdale was really, really good in The Day of the Jackal. Right. The first one with uh, 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 James, not James Fox, Edward Fox. Um, The one with Bruce Willis is interesting too, but uh, the one with Edward Fox. uh, Michelle Lonsdale, French actor. I thought it was interesting in Moonraker, but I think they didn't know what to do with him and he may have been miscast. Still, it's a big fun movie. Uh, Then there's the weird thing where. But kills. Jaws meets um, a schoolgirl. She's a
2: weird-looking, like, nerdy schoolgirl with, like, pigtails and braces and big glasses, like, horned glasses. And he falls in love with her. And and this is supposed to be, like, partly comic relief and partly cute, like, oh, let's humanize this evil character we made in the last movie. But it was just creepy and
1: weird. Even then, I was like,
0: what the fuck is going on here?
1: What's this I know, and it's it's an internet (laughs) porn trope now, believe it or not. Yeah. So
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was thought, are
1: popular. So why couldn't this creepy shit be popular? <laughs> well, Moonraker made a ton of money and um, it made a ton of money. Yet they took a few years off. Uh, yes. So Roger Moore could make things like folks uh, where he played the cat loving oddball adventurer, And uh, they didn't come back to for your eyes only, right? Yes, and the difference
2: between these two is Moonmaker is the Star Wars, the black hole. That's sort of like you know space adventures, uh, Star Trek the motion picture, the original one. That's sort of like outer spacey. You know that that, that was in the zeitgeist at the time. Star Crash, you know, Battle Beyond the Stars, whatever. Um, for Your Eyes Only was the Indiana Jones. Uh, this one is more. Uh, well, actually, no, not so much this one, more of the one you hate is the Indiana Jones one. This one is kind of, I, I had impressions that it was trying to do the better parts of um, Our Majesty's Secret Service again. Because once again, you're up in Switzerland and climbing mountains and not the same kind of chateau, but the same sort of a deal. For some reason, they cast, okay, yeah, they cast Carol Bouquet, who was famous for, uh, she had just done Bunuel's uh, That Obscure Object of Desire, which is the last film before I died. Uh, not my favorite Binole film, and I love Binole films. Um, Julian Glover was in it, from Quartermaster in the Pit, The Internet Scene Oh, Julian Glover right. yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: um, Yeah.
2: But they chose to cast Lynn Holly Johnson, who was this annoying, really young, blonde, uh, teenage girl who was popular from Disney films, stuff like Ice Castles. and Well, Watch wasn't in the woods. she an ice
1: skating champion? I think she was. She,
2: yeah, but she went up in this depressing like, this film, Ice Castles. I don't know if you ever saw it Roy Benson. It's horrible. Watch her in the woods, which is just kind of weird. Uh, where the yeah. boys are. Yeah. Yep. I mean, this is just this annoying young girl. And they cast her as, like, not the lead love interest type, but she was, like, Kind of very present. She was like the number two, I guess. Not so much as a love just, just like you know, a big character in the film. Uh, and she's like an ice skating prodigy. And I don't did she be oh, kidnapped who was or was who it she be sponsored by? Time. Oh, Bond's Topol. girlfriend thing, you know, Topol right? Heim uh, oh, oh. Topol was the Topol. Um, but yeah, like I said, Carol Bouquet was the girl on this. It, Carol Bouquet. <laughs> I remember liking it in the theater, but seeing it later, it was like. Well, I kind of like the setting. <laughs> That's
1: about all I can say for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought Moore was very good at it. I thought I thought he invested more of himself as an actor. Uh, and, you know, Roger. Roger Moore gets a lot of shit, and you know, I'm going to stick up for Roger Moore right now. Uh, he did umpteen years as a saint, and you know, it's out there. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in that Saint stuff, you know. Oh, watch uh, it right now. That and Mission yeah.
2: of Watch uh basically every time we get a chance. Uh, you know, because we don't watch TV, really. We just watch DVDs, and that's our big thing. You know, we have breakfast, you watch it with coffee, you watch it at nighttime, whatever. We're going between the two series. And, yeah, we're still in the black and whites there, just like we're in season two of the Mission Impossible. But there's some really good episodes there. Yes, some of them are really freaking cheesy. Some of them are really hard to watch. There's a lot of piss-poor, faked American and Mexican accents left and right. Yeah, of
0: course. Yeah, but yeah,
2: yeah. a lot of British character actors that you'd recognize from other shows that you watch, and other Hammer films and other things, movies you watched. And... Yeah, his acting,
1: he's acting is on par though on some of those things. You know, he's like really, yeah. he's there. Exactly. And, right. and yeah, they just hire him as a as a pretty face for Bond. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: uh, yeah, I think partly too the persuaders got him the job too. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, he invent, He to me. He obviously invested more of himself in free rise only. And uh, funny, we were talking about um, who the hell directed the Iron Secret Service. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, it, the fellow
2: you're talking about, that was the uh, AD. Uh, I
1: was the AD year. and the, the stunt yeah. guy. So John Glenn, who has been the AD and stunt guy, action director, second unit, second unit for a number of uh, past Bonders, now gets his chance to direct a bond move. And he got yeah. to do free rise Only. And he, he did a fine job. Uh, it's more of a European kind of Bond movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we're going to rip it apart for anything. Well, if I was, it would be Lynn Holly Johnson. It's a little yes. icky. Well, I don't know if you like young, chunky she girls who was... think they can skate. It's fine. But... <laughs> and with annoying voices.
2: <laughs> God, she was the worst part of this damn thing. And yeah. like I said before, and you just kind of tied it up. Why that may be the same. It felt like they were trying to redo the better parts of you know Iron Majesty's Secret Service, and that uh, was a failed film. So here we go. We have a film that's once again kind of the same vibe, and
1: it fails. It just doesn't work. Well,
2: it doesn't um, help
1: well, too that Bond's ally, played by Topol, Topol. Um, yeah. We all remember him from is uh on the a roof Bill <laughs> on the roof and other classical European pictures yes,
0: uh, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he's he's
1: he's good he's bad, we're not sure if he's a drug runner or a saint or devil you know uh, they actually you know for Bond script writing that's a bit clever that they actually did not make it so black and white for that character, and I have to give him. Kudos for that,
2: you know, Oh yeah, watching. he did a okay job with it. It's not a problem at all. Yeah, about, he did that. a
1: good job <laughs> you with know, that. Julian Glover, Julian Glover is the freaking villain. Yeah, yeah. but it's it was interesting. Um, yeah, followed by one of the worst pictures in the series.
2: <laughs> but I enjoyed this one. Once again it was I think it was one of the latter ones we saw at least with my parents as a kid in the films uh, in the movies which was Octopussy. Um I remember when I saw it I was horrified because it was kind of like a letdown in a lot of ways. But all right. You have more Adams in it? Uh they had that whole sequence in India where he's riding the jitney and all that with uh, Vijay V J Armitrage, uh, who kind of made a career out of that afterwards popping up basically as the same character, uh, just in a little bit of parts and such. Um Louis Jordan was in it, you know, BBC's Dracula was probably the best thing he did. Um <laughs> But you know the whole thing with the circus and the balloon and uh, it, it was just a little too uh, yes, Giorgio for me. anybody remember was Luciano Pavarotti's big flop?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I I think this this movie was totally. I don't know. Some people like it. I don't know. Good for you. You like it. I, it's just movies are done. It was. It was couldn't really give a bad performance if he tried, my God, right. Louis Jodin goes back way back, you know, uh uh movies with Maurice Chevalier, you know uh, way back uh handsome frenchman uh, uh well renowned actor, he probably did stage, I'm sure he do stage musicals probably um, he's playing the villain in here and 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 he's not the problem it's the movie the whole movie's the problem with this movie it's, yeah. it's just. Roger Moore looks tired. Yes, Um, he does. And it looks like somebody drew it on the back of an actor during the uh, MGM Coke party. Hey, Bond's (laughs) going to dress as a clown. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, we're almost at the
2: end of the Roger Moores. And now it's coming back to me why I always felt that the best Roger Moore's were his first one, the black exploitation, Let Me Let Die. Uh, and the one you were talking I was crazy like because I, I, I liked the film was Moonraker. That's really the second best Roger Moore film because after that, they're all kind of extremely dicey. I mean, he's good in them. They all have good parts. There were very attractive women in them, but the films don't fucking work. And comparing him to Sean Cotter, which is a little unfair – there really
1: isn't a comparison, so Well wait, wait, and, 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 and is just like just ambivalent in this. She's like she's there, she's not there. You know, she, and,
0: yeah,
2: I um, didn't feel great. She was much more present in uh the film before that we were just talking about.
1: Uh in yeah, in a smaller I, part. So Right, right in a smaller part, right. I I, I I I still to this day I almost pissed my pants when I hear Louis Sean go Octopusy, Octopussy, Octopusy octopussy, octopussy. <laughs> <laughs> who who thought that was a good line? It's a who, didn't, who, did, who didn't like spit their coffee out when he was doing that on set? Exactly. Okay, we went from Pussy Galore to Plenty of Tool to
2: Octopussy. I, mean, I remember when it came out, I'm like, really gonna use that as the title? That's the, the, the line
1: team. for it's a video title too. Because he's <laughs> chiding her. And I'm like, you're <laughs> kidding me. It doesn't work. It's <laughs> not and the whole thing is Bond is after a famous Brabourne Golden Egg. Because it's, like, worth billions of dollars, and, like, this rich guy's got to gives a shit. You know, it's, it's the movie that should not have been made. Right. <laughs> um,
2: all right, so we're we're coming up on quarter of, so I'm sure we're going to wind up running over once again. Because uh, we're almost done with voice or More uh he's got two more that's characters. what we're known for though going over time. <laughs> <laughs> we got one more Roger Moore film, which was a view to a kill now it's- c- contrary to what I used to remember it's not his worst film by Can any I means. um and I do like uh, Patrick Mcnee in it. I did think it I do like Grace Jones in it. I did think it was funny. Uh, when he uh, identified himself as St. John Smith, which you know basically is John Smith, but they try to give a little British flair like Saint John oh, St. John Smith, all St. John Smith. And, of course, they saw through it right away. Christopher Walken, Walken's in it. Uh, he was probably the weakest thing in it for me. Uh, but that's kind of the case with Christopher Walken as a role. He's really kind of a weak uh, character. What? Actor. You
1: didn't like
2: Christopher Walken as the villain? Guy. No. Oh, Did you? Did you like him? He's so, you know, he's a presence that when you see him in a film, you kind of laugh. Like, oh, look, Walken's there. But he just doesn't yeah. work. He's like a James Woods without the character, without the soul. He's just kind of. Wow, that's weird. No, I don't see that at all. Annoying. He's not as annoying as Harvey can tell, but he's like one of those, like, ah, uh, oh, Christopher
1: Walken's like in a universe by himself, man. <laughs> But 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 he's he's totally he's totally wrong for this one. But that being said Tanya uh, Robertson,
2: the failed uh, the worst of the Charlie's Angels replacements, uh Bubble in
1: Queen of the Peace <laughs> Um but,
2: like I said, Grace Jones, who I love, you know, the, the con destroyer yeah, yeah. here uh, Grace music.
1: was this, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. Race,
2: yeah. Uh um Patrick Mcnee, like I said, he's always great. Yeah. St.
1: Patrick meet me one more time. Yeah, he's good. He says, you know what though? <laughs> this movie has one of the best Bond theme songs ever.
2: It's a good one. You know, it's Duran Duran. Um, it's good. I it's
1: it's the best, but I, I like it. No, I said one of the best. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean it's, it's a decent song for sure. Uh, I, I put really like
1: Peter to kill. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't put it up there with Thunderball or something like that, but it's like, okay, yeah, I like it. Uh, no, definitely uh, better. Like we're going to go down number six or seven, yes. Yeah, this certainly. was the last Bond film, I'll say that, that had a good theme song. After that, they're all kind of,
0: Pfft.
2: you got to be fucking kidding me. Um, you know who's in this? Alison Duty? you know, the, the crappy TV actress. <laughs> Who was she, in? Uh, she was apparently Jenny Flex, one of his assistants. Uh, you know it's a bit part basically But I was like really uh, She's done a lot of shitty TV shows in the 80s and early 90s I can't even think You know, of you know what of
1: hurts stuff. this movie though yeah, To be serious for a moment though You know what really really hurts this movie Dolph Lundgren Because is... Dolph in this <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's a blink, a blink and you're mi- you missing thing yeah. No what really hurts this movie Is the preponderance Of scenes featuring more stunt doubles They're, They're obvious true. The editing is so piss poor in this picture. It's like the opening scene where Bond uh, jumps off the Eiffel Tower in Paris and yep. land, lands and jumps in the car. It's like, it's the stunt double. It's, you even see the stunt double. It's like, where's Roger I thought Mark? you were going to
2: say Christopher Walken's blonded hair.
1: I'm like, this is awful. Is
2: it really? It's supposed to pass like this? Get out of here. Horrible, horrible casting.
0: Uh, <laughs> but, you know, well,
2: not... Not the worst Roger Moore film by a long shot. it's just kind of eh.
0: yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's it's no man with a golden gun,
0: it's yeah, I mean
2: good. the the fight in the mine shaft it, there's a lot of issues with it, and I just like eh. i I didn't like it, and at this point, even though I had grown up with Roger Moore and liked him a lot at that time, you know, I still like him, but not like Sean Henry um it was, I was glad to see him go at this point, so that said something. He was kind of tired at this point.
1: Um, is there anything else I you would want come to, say? to one of your favorites yeah
2: <laughs> wow that's being sarcastic uh, Timothy Dalton now Dalton had done some interesting bit parts in other movies I know he was in Flash Gordon that was pretty memorable when he was Wuthering uh, when... Heights yeah I mean you, you catch him in things uh, Sextet for God's sakes you know the May oh, West film you uh,
1: pulling <laughs> cheesy movies out okay <laughs>
2: Uh, well, that's what we do. Do we really care about big budget movies? Um, no, we don't. You know, Marianne Dabo's in extra, extra. I never liked her. I liked her little sister Olivia, who was in this Destroyer*. I met her. She's still super cute. Uh, little
1: too tiny girl. She must be about four foot six. Um, you know, I'm still I'm looking. I'm still looking for this thing. I did. Um, I can't find it. Um, Luciana Paluzzi, Miriam. Diabo and Olivia Diabo. And somebody shot it, and it kind of disappeared, but I'll have to find it one of these days.
2: You know, there's a couple of people I really like in this film, in bit parts. Joe Don Baker from, you know, Mitchell and uh, Walking Tall, Joysticks, yeah. Gold Beatles. Uh-huh. Uh, John Rhys Davies from Shogun. That, that was the defining role for me. I was like, oh, man, I love this fucking guy. Uh, but, you know, King Solomon's Mines, Waxwork, I, Claudius, he was in, for God's sakes. Uh, you know, it, it's just... The problem what? is Steve Dalton. I mean, it's just, it doesn't work. It's better than the film that came afterwards, but it was just, who is this guy? Why is he so dry? He's like, It's almost like he had no personality, which wasn't true if you see him in other films. He did. But somehow with Bond, he was flat like wood. Uh, he made Lazenby look lively. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, ouch. I'm going to have a tough time with you on this one. I Go really like Dalton.
2: I really like Dalton. What did uh, you like about him? This I want to hear.
1: I thought I thought that Dalton Dalton was very close to the John Gardner bonds. And John Gardner was a guy that was okayed by the Fleming estate to, in the nineties, to take over uh, the eighties sorry eighties and the nineties to take over the the Ian Fleming Bond stories, write right. new books, and I thought that. I remember Dalton saying, "I read all the Flemings, and I'm going to play, try to play it just like Fleming wrote it." But you wound up playing it like Gardner wrote it, which is a bit dry and cold. Exactly. And That's the problem. Dry and cold. That was exactly what I'm talking about. So maybe he was going he was
2: deliberately. deliberately.
1: I think he was, and I think he was fine. I really liked him. Now I have to say, I like the next picture better than this one. Because the
2: next I, picture, what I liked about that, if you want to jump ahead to that, I don't know if you're done with this one or not,
0: um,
2: <laughs> was the one thing that I really got a kick out of, because the film sucked, and I hated the lead, uh, Talisa Soto, freaking Vampirella, horrible, uh, with a big bushy eyebrows, uh, Benicio Del Toro, I mean, come on, really, uh, was the fact that freaking Wayne Newton shows up in it, and he's a baddie, like, Wayne Newton, seriously? So that to me, it's like it's a camp thing. Like, okay, yeah, look how bad the Timothy Dalton film sucks. They like, got fucking Wayne Newton in it as a baddie, uh, but you know, Anthony Serby's
1: in it from Omega Man and Kiss Me, Stefani of the Park. It's just. Well, you know, the villain was really good. Robert Davi. I thought he was really on point in this.
0: Yeah, but,
2: oh, and Priscilla Barnes was in this from <laughs> Three's Company, uh, and actually I talked about her on uh, At I Level if you go back into the early part of the year when I was doing all the Canon films and kind of reviewing them after I saw them. Uh, yeah. I, I was talking about the couple of favorite shitty kickboxing movies I had, which really dig down to the bottom. Billy Blanks and Jalal Murphy, they did a film called Pounds of the Eagle, which is hilarious, and she shows up as one of the spies in that. Unbelievable thing. Anybody who's interested, go back, check out the early in the year uh, at I Levels. So we talk a lot about Canon films, uh, these aren't canon, but the same idea. Hilarious. Fred Olin Ray's Witch Academy. I mean, Three's Company. This woman was like the cheese queen, and here she is in this fucking movie. Don Stroud is in this. You know, Sweet Sixteen, a horror. But um, yeah, Don's fine
1: I thought, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you've got a cast of people that's not considered A-list by any means. This, is, this isn't this even like cult film people. This is like digging the bottom yeah, of the yeah.
1: garbage can, digging the dumpster, and dumpster dive of Bond. <laughs> Well, you yeah, know, also uh, keep in mind, also keep in mind, this is, this is the most violent Bond movie ever. Oh, yeah. That's Up true. Up until this point in time, it was actually rated R. Believe that was or another not, reason that I was put off by it at the time. So I'm like, what the hell's
2: going on here? Really? Because uh, the one before, remember they shot her at the end, his big love interest, the Russian Chef? Yeah. Okay, like, right. Okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the F.A.A. in America they rated the sucker R and they had to do a lot of trims on this yeah. thing uh, I think the Blu-ray is the, the back to the director's cut so I mean we can't tell anymore all, we've seen enough bloodshed yeah. um, but um, I like Dalton a lot more in this uh, I like Davy in this I thought they played off of one another really really well yeah I have to agree that you brought it up there's a lot of Cheesy, supporting people. And this is like the fifth or sixth John Glenn movie in a row. Yeah. You know, uh, remember I said John Glenn was the uh, the second unit guy that start yeah. doing, like, For Your Eyes Only was the first one he did. And that may be
2: the problem because all of a sudden, other than, you know, I liked Moonraker for what it was, uh, that's when the films really started going down the toilet for more
1: and then continuing through Dalton. This is like I a kept bad this- period for Bond. Yeah, they kept the same damn director, even though they changed changed actors with Dalton. Who I thought oh, did a much better job of the second picture and than I he just did the first else. picture. Finish it because uh, I remember something else I hate about this period, but go ahead. Oh, uh, <laughs> John Glenn somehow went on to like big me- mega status when he did the Iron Eagle movies. Remember those things with the... It was like, let's go into a foreign land and, and save our American brother. But Luke Gossett, you know those things? <laughs> Iron yeah, Eagles, 1, Eagles, two, three, right. four, five, six, yep. 211, whatever.
2: Yeah, that was all that jinguistic shit like the Delta Force and all that. that they were doing during <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I, I also liked the hold no bar kick-ass fight scene at the end of this. I think this is one of the things that gave it the R rating between Bond and... Uh, Davy is the uh, developer. I was like, wow. My stuff. other problem with
2: the Timothy Dalton Bonds was this was the period, and it sort of continued into the early uh, Pierce Brosnan, Craig's? but not so much, oh, okay. was this bullshit political correctness stuff that started up uh, where I guess all the women had gotten up in arms because, you know, Bond films are misogynistic, and they're the mm. thing, and the guy can lay everybody. So all of a sudden they decide to cow under and say, okay, well, this is maybe what the ladies want to see. Uh, so they toned down Bond and made sure that he was a one-woman man. They made a big stink about this. Like Timothy Walton came, I'm, I'm no longer the Bond that you know I'm going to be a one-woman man. And that's basically the way they played it. He would have one girl that he was involved with in the entire movie. I'm like, this sucks. Who the fuck, why would you want to screw with a Bond film? If, you, if you're going to do that, say, okay, well, I hate Bond films. Like my wife, she, she complains, like, we watch a lot of cult films, and why you show me all this shit? Everything's got a rape in it. Well, I, you know, it's not because it's a fucking rape, in it. it's do this way too many movies back then. What are you going to say? You either accept it or you hate it. Just like watching a Charlie Chan film. Okay, we know it's kind of a racist stereotype. They didn't use Asians <clears throat> man. But, you know, either you hate them and you're going to avoid them, or you're going to say, well, all right, it was the time period. It sucks. What are you going to do Let me try to enjoy this otherwise and love it or hate it? That's the thing with Bond. You can't go and change it. You can't go and retrofit it. So that's what they try to do. They try to retrofit the character, and it did not work. These two films were the most turgid films of the
0: entire series. Oh, um, yeah. no! I did not like the portrayal.
2: Part... I did not like anything about them. Uh, the only thing I liked was Wayne Newton. <laughs> that was the end of it,
1: This because of the campfire. Well, I, I, th- I think. I think like anything. I think Dalton needed to grow into it. I think they also need to switch up directors. And for some reason, I think because one of the one of the factors be, being because it was so bloody violent and there was some stuff going on now, um uh you know uh, Ian Fleming wrote Thunderball with Kevin McCrory and some other boozy companion back in the day and they were able to make Thunderball, but then he came out of the woodwork, Kevin McCrory, and he was like I own the rights to Spectre and then he tried to sue the behemoth known as Eon Productions. So yes. that took everybody into court. Yep. So after Dalton's second picture everything was frozen for a couple right. of years. And at that time they decided let's reboot. And they rebooted with Pierce Brosnan, who was uh somebody they considered apparently before yeah, he was
2: Remington Steele on TV and they had considered him back then in the you know, whatever it was mid-80s and made the mistake, I guess, of not picking him. So he was his second chance. Um, I know you don't like him, so uh, why don't you... No, I uh, do,
1: I do, actually, I do. I, I, I actually think GoldenEye is pretty damn terrific. Uh, Martin Campbell, of all people, uh, you know, beforehand... Do, do we ever think of Martin Campbell as like an ace director of cool shit? You know, <laughs> um, I know he did the, the Sex Thief with David Warbeck. Remember that? Sorry, Are you there, Michael, Michael? that one? Yeah, a little
2: issue there. <laughs> so, what's going on? I'm sorry, I missed that last line. Did you, did you fall into the bathtub? No, <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> no, I was saying Martin Campbell. Did we ever think way back then that he was like? Such a great director, but it turned out to be a really good director for this thing and uh, I think it did a terrific job of Golden I think Pierce is terrific I think it's a good movie. I was kind of iffy on it
2: um you do have uh Jansen who became uh, Jean Gene Grey in the x men films um,
0: oh was, it was kind
2: of yeah, that yeah, ridiculous yeah. character, which is the first of those kind of um troy's angel reboot um buffy type you know, women on top kind of uh things that they started pushing around this time. Um as Xenia on a top who basically would go and kill guys by jumping on top of them unless like she's gonna screw them and then, you know, crush the privates. <laughs>
0: uh, but, but I think she, she
2: does, does screw, screw them, doesn't she somehow? Yeah, it's it's cheesy as shit and really kind of like yeah, really yeah, that's, that's that's your thing here. Okay, fine. Uh Judy Dench was in it as M, which is interesting. First time,
0: yeah. Um,
2: Joe Don Baker's in it again. Robbie Coltrane, Cracker, and Nuns on the Run. Uh, He's in this one. I usually get a kick out of him. Uh, Another weird one from the future X-Men, Alan Cumming was in this. He became Nightcrawler later on. Um, Minnie Driver was in this. I know she was uh, experiencing a little Renaissance in film at that time. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, I was iffy on it. Of, Of the Brosnan films, even though it's probably the most famous and the one that, um, when they made video games out of it, it's the one that ever- But, I don't know. I did not like it as much as The World's Not Enough, and to some extent, I didn't like it as much as Tomorrow Never Dies. I thought it was a little bit too 90s, you know, that kind of mm. um it's hard to describe it. That, that basically feel from the decade where it was trying to be over the top, trying to please the ladies, and really just being kind of strange, and um ah, not turd is not the word, but it's got this odd feel to it that's not enjoyable to watch. It's just kind of like, eh, it just feels kind of 90s. Nice. It's, like, it's like listening to a friggin' Meredith Brooks album in a lot of ways. Like, oh. I,
1: I, I, <laughs> what, bitch? That's the only good yeah, show right. she had? I'm your bitch, I'm your lover. All, all
2: right. that shit, you know, Joan Osborne. All, please,
1: really, they, hey, they like have Joan. a
2: lot of problems. Don't mess <laughs> with
1: Joan Osborne. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> I like I like Goldeneye. I like Goldeneye. I thought the pacing was good. It's the first time I I really paid attention to everybody's favorite Sean Bean. Yes, yeah, Sean Bean. And, and uh, yeah, Fomka was fine. Um, again, probably it's a Bond trope. But they the, they the miscast. You're saying that she was fine. To me,
2: she was. They were casting her as Gina. Because she really had the crazy eyes and the goofy grin. And I'm she like, was good at that. Yeah, this crazy girl. It was Xena. She was Xena fucking you to death. I'm like, come on.
0: So what's that wrong with that? Was fucked up.
2: That decade was fucked up. That's all i got to say.
1: You
0: would fucking you to death? Oh,
1: please. Not my thing. Uh, okay. Well, not my thing either, but if we were tied down. Then... <laughs> But no, like,
2: though, uh, I, right, you would complain, but it's like, come
1: on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, though, a typical weak Bondian thing was the chick who was, who was the girl. Right. The, the main girl, who I can't remember the damn name of the actress. She was so weak, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a bad film by any means. It's just. <laughs> no, the action was good, well choreographed, uh, this. The the opening is great. Uh, there's some good stuff. I like it. So next up, then we is, up tomorrow never
2: dies, and I think the most uh, interesting thing about this and the reason that I liked it better, uh, besides you know losing a little bit of that obvious cheese of seeing on top, because, <laughs> was Michelle Yeoh was in it.
0: Um, oh yeah.
2: First off, I was totally hot for her at the time, and secondly,
0: you know, me too. This,
2: me too. This, you know, <laughs> we're trying to tap into the period of you know this country had finally caught on during around that time in the late 90s. To uh Hong Kong cinema, which had been going on since you know the mid eighties basically, as soon as they uh, moved out yeah. making proper kung Fu films per se, they started doing all this wire work shit and, you know uh and you got the John Wu films, and you know, all this stuff was kind of coming over here at the time, Jackie Chan films, whatever, and you know, I was really into that stuff at the time, and here's. My favorite of those actresses, other than Maggie Chung, who's smoking hot. Um, and, oh, you know, Michelle Yeoh! I met Michelle Yeoh. I could die me now. too.
0: Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: you know, you know, yes, Madam Police Story, Three Super Cop, Heroic Trio, Wing Chun. I mean, how can you go wrong there? So that for me was a big deal. But you also had Mary Hunter. Not Really, Terry Hatcher? Come on, Lois and Clark. But they kill her off uh, right away. So Yeah, so, yeah. thank God. Uh, <laughs> you know, Joe Don Baker's in it once again, Judy Dench again. Um, you know, it's just... I can't really say it's a good film. And, and, you know, to say that it's better than Goldeneye, it's not. It's just... I didn't feel the cheesiness. I, I didn't feel like there was... I hate to sound like one of those people, but I didn't feel like there was an agenda being pushed on, on me. It wasn't like watching the Charles <laughs> Roots where it's like, oh yeah, women empowerment. Like, Come on, really? You just, you well, want you know, to you brought up a good point,
1: naturally. though. I want, I want to run with it. It's, it's probably the first time in a bomb movie we're starting to see strong female characters, yeah, aside from and aside from Judy and I right. think this is the first time, and this actually will carry over into a couple of more movies. Um, but yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Actually, Michelle Yeoh was so well-received in this movie, there was talk of bringing her back really? or making another movie with her character. That would have been great.
0: And, they
1: didn't <laughs> but it didn't happen, and which is a shame. I think the one huge weak link in this movie, uh, they tried to also carry over the same... Um, the violence that was in the Dalton pictures kind of reemerged in this. movie, yes. too. Yes, that's um, true. After being a little subdued in Goldeneye, it kind of the violence was back. But I think Jonathan Price's villain was like this megalomaniac uh, Rupert Murdoch on steroids kind of guy, and it was just like, we should really rethink this again, and it just didn't didn't gel for me. But there's a lot of fun stuff in this film.
2: Oh, and, and yeah, well, show, and it's you about know, weird actors uh, Vincent Chiavelli
1: from uh, Fast Times Original High
2: and Night Shift, you know that weird-looking guy? <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, okay, uh, it's a strange
1: person to throw in here, but all right. Uh, <laughs> Actually, you know what? He played an assassin, and he was remarkably interesting to watch this. And, it's, well, and it made me interesting think. interesting to
2: watch. It's just, you know, it was like, oh, oh well, I didn't sure mean it
1: that way. Yeah, but I did <laughs> that way. I thought, I thought as, as an actor, he was pretty good in very small party had this. Yeah, so interesting movie. Followed by the next one.
2: Well, this one I believe you did not like it at all. I love this one. We saw this. This was one of the last Bond films we saw in the theater. Uh, and it was actually – I did not manage to see the, the two before or actually the four before because I didn't care about Dalton uh, in the theater. So this was like kind of a resurgence. We went to see The World's Not Enough. And the reason was because, once again, just like I was told about being hot from Michelle Yeoh, at the time I was really hot for Sophie Marcel uh, who later appeared in uh, Belfagor, Phantom of the Louvre, which is worth looking up if you're into uh, cheesy cult films. Um, Unfortunately, it also starred a very sexy French girl. Uh, It also starred Denise Richards, uh, the bubble-headed Charlie Sheen cast-off. What a moron. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I can't stand her. And it's funny because she says, oh, I wanted to get the role because it's brainy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Dr. Christmas. Uh, Dr. Christmas Jones. Oh, my God. Moron. Uh, Anyway, Robbie Coltrane's in it again. Um, You know who was in it? John Cleese pops up in it as R. Uh, you know, anybody who doesn't know him from Monty Python, Faulty Towers, Doctor Who City, yes. there, yeah, right. Exactly right. Uh so it was nice to see him there. Um I liked the film a lot, even beyond Sophie. Uh, I really enjoyed. You had a little bit of that Xenia on the top thing, but again, it's not cheesy. It didn't feel like that agenda shift from the nineties. It was more she was just tough and sexy and that gets me off. That There you go. That's that's a moment for me. Uh, oh, you like tough for
1: sexy girls, All right?
2: <laughs> well, you know, I like a woman who's strong. And that's the bottom line. I mean, not like a bitch. Just somebody that knows who she is and knows what she wants, and there you go. Is comfortable with herself, just like I'm comfortable with myself. You know, I well, like a woman yeah. who's
0: <laughs> oh, Yeah, there you go. So, well,
2: I, I,
1: re-evalu- I re-evaluate, re-evaluated this one. I, I really wound up liking it more. uh um, Robert Carlyle, right? Yes, Elizabeth. Um Yeah, the sexual dynamics between Sophie Marceau and Bob. Oh, Perry, intense, very interesting.
2: In yeah. I mean, Sophie plays it up, and you know, I don't know if she's like this in real life or what. I liked her in other films for sure, but they really upped the ante there, and I'm like, oh yeah. yeah, I like this film. <laughs> I like this girl.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a very, it's a very interesting movie, and then by by the climax, so yeah, I reevaluated it and i and i and I liked it uh I've seen it several times now, and i really it's interesting there's a harbinger uh of m s fate in this movie, there's like hints of things to come the fragility yes, of, of Judy Dench's character, Yes. Um, and you actually think she's gonna bite the dust in this one, so uh. But yeah. see, she's another one. I, I, again,
2: okay, she's an older woman, but yeah, I respect her. She's a strong woman. You know? She takes no shit, even from Bond. Uh, and yet she's not insecure enough that she has to lord it over him and be like, oh, I'm the woman. I'm tough." No, no, she just is who she is. And there you go. So well, that's yeah. a
1: good thing. Well, Judi Dench has always been everybody's like gilf idol. No.
2: Yeah, that's true. She's kind of like uh, – I, I mean I wouldn't look at it the same way as a Harold Mirren in that respect because Harold Mirren always takes a top off and usually looks good doing it. But that idea, she's in that school of thought. So yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. Um, but I was just talking about her personality, not
0: her look. Uh, I didn't, I didn't
2: so then we go to Die Another Day, uh, which was his last film. Uh, actually, we might have seen this one too uh, in the theater. Uh, no, we didn't because of Holly Berry. That's why. Uh, <laughs> cannot stand that. Be- because of Holly Berry? Yeah, that's why I wouldn't go. I'm like, I just can't stand her. She was just too... That oh, whole I thing was where she had to get the $5 million to show her tits in that stupid movie. I'm like, come on, really? It yeah, but it was worth it. No,
0: she is one of those
2: case. divas, like I am so important, I'm so hot. What was that horrible song they had uh Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Hot Like Me? She's one of those. I'm
1: fuck you, girl. But you, you know, know what? Shit. That movie, uh Swordfish, <laughs> Swordfish, we should we should jam that into our uh our I don't know, Shaken Not Stirred Part Two or whatever. We're gonna have to reschedule that. Yeah, well, we'll uh,
2: we'll talk about that if you want to. Sure, let's kind of, kind of go into this. spot, Thanks. Yeah, because um, cause Sword,
1: Swordfish yeah, is an interesting movie, actually. Um, so, did you hate this or like? Huh?
2: I did not like it. I didn't hate it, but I, like I said, I didn't want to go see it in the movies just because it was Holly Berry. I'm like, oh she's not her. <laughs> and her as a lead? no. Nah. Um, but it wasn't a bad film. It was just like. Uh, once again, it was at the point where I was glad to see him go. It was like, all right, we had enough, Pierce Brosnan.
1: No, no, uh, no. I thought the first hour, you no, know, maybe the first forty-five minutes was terrific. Yeah, remember he goes, he goes rogue and he's he's tortured for like a year or something, some shit like that. Yeah, that this was another, a lot like, of good stuff in here, I, but it gets confusing because we have the Asian guy that had this. Uh, Face transplant, plastic surgery. Oh, yeah,
2: you yeah. have William Lee who was on Witchblade. I remember it was the TV series. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you
2: know, it was, it was a cheesy movie. Uh, But actually, what you was pointing out that you liked about it was what I didn't like because it reminds me of what's coming up next. But go ahead, finish up about this one. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you're going
1: to set <laughs> me up. I, I did not like the ending when they went to Iceland. Um, it looks like they ran out of money and uh, and and probably some zeitgeist as well. They just kind of, how do we end this thing? And I think it hurt the movie. I think if they rethought, see, the bond, the bond engine is a very weird thing. They take two or three years off, and then they, in the last year of, like, tooling around their fucking sports cars, oh, yeah, we should write the script because we have to shoot in six months. <laughs> and instead of, you know, it's like, do you need to hear Lewis Paul tell you the minute you release the last picture, you should be thinking about what you want to do for the next, for the next one. Next? Right. Right. And start... Knocking your heads against the wall, and picking up ideas, stuff You remember
2: history. when they used to have, at the end of films, especially if it was a series, you know, whoever it is will return in, you know, and they'd put out a film title. Sometimes they didn't yeah. even get the funding and never did it. But they used to think this way, and it worked. So you're right.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. But now it's like, let's take three years. Like, that's the huge problem because I tell you, we're going to get to that in a minute, folks. Between Casino Royale and of solids, there wasn't that much time off, But between, between Quantum and Skyfall. It was like two years, maybe yeah. two and a half. Between Skyfall and fucking Spectre, it's been like four years. And it's like, hello. No wonder why Daniel Craig wants to stop. He's getting older. <laughs> it's hard running around like this. Also, you kill the momentum and whatever yes. goodwill they have from Skyfall is gone. Actually, yeah. It, yeah, they were saying Skyfall is not like really one of the. Um, sorry, uh, yeah, not only really one of the best mom movies, it's one of the best movies of the last blah 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 years. And I'm not just making this up. This is paraphrasing some of the reviews. It's like wow, it's really good. Uh, this is not what I have to say about Skyfall, but <laughs> and so they they spent four years dilly dillydallying after this fucking director who was like he was okay. I would yeah. wait. I wouldn't wait this long for Sam Mendes. They're out of the freaking mind, <laughs> and that's what they did. They yep. waited till he did. He did. He did a badly received play in in Europe, and then he crashed and burned. Like, okay, I'll go. I'll do another Bond movie. <laughs> you know, it's like, don't wait this long. And then it was like they start writing the script a week before he decided he wanted to do the movie. So it's like, anyway, that that was the problem with died another day or they waited too long four years being, later hmm. yeah and it wound up being pierce last picture and i think pierce was a bit burned in that i think he realized he was cheated because he, he was a good bond in in some of the in different movies and if the yes. movies were better pierce the, the whole thing would have been different
2: and also, if they had brought him in when he was younger, it would have been more successful. They brought him in. He's still a handsome guy. He still pulled it off. He was still suave, but he was an older man, and therefore, you know, you lose a little bit of that. And, of course, he's already thinking about, do I really want to keep doing this? You know, <laughs> I, there's something else I can do before I retire, basically.
1: Uh, I mean, not all, but you know what
2: I'm talking about, is that kind of thoughts start popping into your head. So he goes and takes off. And they get this fellow Daniel Craig. Now we went to see this one. This was actually the last Bond film we ever went to see, and there's a reason for that. Casino
0: uh,
2: Royale. Yes, uh, mm. we went to see it, and I was like, okay, well, he was in uh, Lara Croft Tomb Raider from 2001. I liked that film. You know, it's cheesy. You know, and jolie looking hot, whatever. Uh, I thought he had a strange build. You know, doing him, uh, chin-ups in the uh, underground, whatever the hell, as his as her boyfriend from the video games. But, you know, all right, I'll give it a shot. You know, he wasn't terrible or anything. And we went to see this film, and there he is, injecting himself in the heart with uh, whatever the hell, adrenaline to keep himself from dying. Yeah. And then he goes and he gets his ball strapped to a chair and gets him electrocuted. And I'm yeah. sitting there, and I am horrified. I'm like, holy Fuck, anyone goes get torture porn film? Who, who thought it is? What, what <laughs> asshole sat there and said, oh, let me make James Bond film. Oh, no, let's make it like Saw and Hostile. Fuck you. Terrible, terrible film just because of that. Um, I did not find the girls appealing. I was not like, oh, yeah, these girls are hot. I'm like, no, these are kind of average at best. Uh, the villains. Green just, average? Uh, yeah, oh. I didn't really like her. I did not like her. Uh did nothing for me. What's interesting is, as you had pointed out once, Sai Chin was in this as a veteran poker player. I barely yeah. remember being there, but yes, she was there. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, okay, yeah, you get the whole thing with the casino and that, that, was that Hussein Bolt in the beginning, the whole thing where they were jumping the roofs or whatever the hell? I mean, that, that was kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> I actually like that part, but you know, it's just, uh it, it crossed the line for me, and my wife's like, oh, well, you watch all those films of rape, and you see some guy who's getting his balls tortured, and that's there for you. Well, you know, it, I understand what she's saying. It's just it, – it was not what I wanted to see. It's not a Bond film. A Bond films escapism. Yes, it's misogynist. Yes, it's just harem shit. It's the macho fantasy, and you're going to see this? I'm like, nah. And no, I did not
1: think he do. was a good Bond.
2: I
0: did not think he was a good Bond. All-
1: we all have to watch a movie together, like a movie neither one of us saw for the first time. I want to this could be interesting. Uh, Just be prepared for me to heckle it on the way through, because I do that a lot.
0: <laughs> oh, no. You're heckled. I, oh,
2: I want her there, too.
0: I'll hear what she has to say.
2: <laughs> I'm one of those mystery science kind of people where I'm going to sit there. Not necessarily loudly. I'm not going to harass everybody else, but anybody sitting next to me will hear me murmuring shit under my breath, like cracking jokes or whatever.
1: Throw uh, that man out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, like a scenario. It's actually... One of my favorite Bond movies. It's probably really? my second. It's my second favorite after From. How Marshall do you Love. feel about Craig as a Bond? Because I find my
2: problem with him is not like Dalton where he was really stiff and, you know, oh, I'm a one-one man. Band. No, he is a weak Bond. He is a fragile Bond. He is a Bond that does not have power. He is hopeless, helpless, scared, and shoved into things that he's not ready for and can't handle. And,
1: oh, good luck. Fuck you.
2: Um, and he doesn't
1: but, know. What but, he's but, but, but physically, no. Physically, he's strong. like on the bolt
2: of his ass, basically. Yeah,
1: he's physically strong. He's physically a appro- brute, and I think that that's the way they're playing this. I hate to use that word trope out, but I think they they redesigned Bond in their minds uh, as vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, as physic psychologically vulnerable, as uh, but physically. Superpowered and a brute. Yeah, you know, that's that's totally the way they, that they worked this out. And this whole thing with um, Vesper Berlin, I mean, this movie is very, very close to the book. That's one thing. Yeah, falling for her and stuff. I'm like, really? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it is though. No, it is. Even the yeah, of course he falls for Vesper Berlin. Bun <laughs> often falls for his girls, and then he dies. Okay, next, girl, next book different girl. <laughs> but uh, I, I really like I I saw Layer Cake um, gosh was that guy Richie I can't remember I saw Layer Cake which was this British gangster type thing uh, sort of along the lines of Long Good Friday but a little different and I said who is this guy he's really interesting I would like to see him do some other kind of work and I think because of Layer Cake they, they hired him to do Bond I like him. Um I I I really like Cassina Royale. I mean I, I, I could really if we had a lot of time and we don't we want to try to wrap at least the bond movies up. Exactly, I want to get the bonds. Um, <laughs> I could really, really go into detail about how much and why I like Cassina. Eva Green is not my kind of girl. No. But I mean, she she's a fleshy European woman, and she's well, she's not hideous or anything. It's just like she didn't know No way that. No, no, she's fleshy, fleshy, not fishy. But she's you could tell by the way she's duplicitous, like you can't trust her. Exactly, and, and so why, why why the problem? Right. So why didn't he see this coming? You know, uh, there's a lot of that. Um, I, I like and that's part twist. of why I was talking about him being weak. Well, you're in love. Shit happens. You know, she probably gave him an amazing blow job. You know, shit happens, <laughs> you Oh know? uh, this, this is like I uh Mads Michelson is the Chief, you know, really right. good, very I like the kind of villain that talks quietly that will torture the shit out of you. So I really <laughs> like this one. Um, it's not a Bond movie as you are used to before, but then the whole series changed after this. Right, exactly.
2: So these last two, I didn't even bother with. I kept seeing reviews about them, and they sounded even worse than you know. So go ahead and uh, you know, this is really your area, anyways. This is your area of (laughs) bombing. So that was really more of you, even though I'd seen them. Uh, So you know, let's let's hear what you got. (laughs) Well,
1: see what I got. Quantum of Solace is uh, uh, unevenly received. Um, It's a direct. Uh, sequel to um, it's a direct sequel to Casino Royale, made by the guy who did World War Z, which I actually enjoyed. Um okay. I one thing th- I should interject:
2: I see that Giancarlo Giannini was in this, and he was in one of my favorite movies of uh, Italian cinema,
1: which is Swept Away. <laughs> By a blue sea of something or other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Giancarlo's yep. in both these. He's in Casino Royale, and he's back in uh, Quantum of Solace. And uh, the, this French actor, oh, gosh, who's in Quantum of Solace playing the baddie, he's really, really good. He was nominated for an Academy Award. He, he looks like Roman Polanski a lot. Um, <laughs> Matthew Almerich, I think, I think is his name. Okay. Um and he's he's really good. It's it's another you know, diminutive. Well, not that diminutive. Not her village, Chase diminutive, but you know, another short guy who wants to rule the world. <laughs> and uh, actually, they're, they Gee, that continue. That never happened before. Hitler, Napoleon. <laughs> <laughs> w. Bush. Well, no, they continue, they continue the Casino Royale story, and uh, Giancarlo's back, and he's actually more of an uh, ally an uh, again, and. Uh, those so is our new uh in black, um Felix Leiter. Played by that yeah. great actor, um uh, I can't remember freaking name. Um it's a, it's a, it's a fun movie. A lot of people hate it because it's edited edited by a Coke freak and maybe the guy wasn't coke. It's just like bum bum bum. That's bah, what bah, I heard.
2: Because it, it was like, all right, well I'll give it a chance to see how the next one is and then I call these horrible freaking reviews. I'm like Alright, well, I know it's not done. they're not doing uh, Ian Fleming books anymore, so maybe it really just, just sucks,
1: so I'm hell with it. <laughs> no, it doesn't suck, actually. The thing is, if you watch Casino Royale and you enjoy some of it and you watch Quantum of Solace, then it'll work for you. Um, but if you hated the first one, why watch the second one? That's the thing. Yeah. But it does continue the story and they try to tie up a lot of the loose ends as much as possible. So... um um, it took me three viewings to like it, but the first time I saw it, I really didn't like it because I liked quant- uh Casino so much right? Um, and then I happened to catch World War Z, which is the same director <laughs> just, and it's like this is like really um, day and a night. good piece of work yeah, day and night, you know you got to remember something, too, that the the Bond people are a machine. And you may come in and make a move, which is like Quentin Tarantino, who's been wanting to make one for decades now, or at least the last 10 years, will never do one. It's because you work for these people, the broccoli and um, the Saltzman or whatever, Saltzman, whoever's alive, left. Um, you're working for them. You know, exactly. Right. You can't. So you, there's only so yeah. much leeway for you to be an auteur. So. <laughs> right, right. You can't be an auteur with a Bond movie. Even if there's auteurs willing to work. I mean, there's a lot of people I would like to see do a Bond movie. Will it ever happen? Unlikely. Uh, which is why well, they like,
2: actually. When we talk about Mario Bava, look at the same thing. He does like friggin' Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs. I mean, that's not a Mario Bava film. It's, you know, no, this shitty, no. you know beach party movie,
1: basically. And that's what he was contracted to make, so he made it but well, look who made some of these like we were talking about the world is not enough isn't that uh, Roger Donaldson uh, yes. no he did the no he did the other one he did the Michelle Yeoh one oh, okay. the guy who did the world is not enough is Michael Apted, who did 21 up, 31 up remember okay Which those documentaries. <laughs> Those are those documentaries about uh, Br- Br- kids growing up every 10 years he would go back and he'd be 10 years older. It was, like, very well-received. He okay. makes, like, serious, serious freaking movies. So, they give the guy a Bond movie, and it's like, wow, okay. So, actually, Casino Royale was the same director as GoldenEye. He brought back one of my favorites, uh, Michael Campbell. Okay. So, uh, the guy who did Quantum of Solace was Mark, whatever. He did Monsters Ball as well, Like. So after that, The Skyfall. The sky, skyfall, which is um, Sam Mendes, who did American Beauty, which is like, so you give him a Bond movie? And he did something <laughs> else. Um, he did something else. I'm sorry, I can't remember. I can't recall. Um, I thought it was the weirdest freaking choice. Why would you hire this guy? Um, <laughs> Ralph Phoenix is in this. What the hell is he doing on a Bond film? <laughs> <clears throat> Well yeah, uh, uh Javier Bardem, um very strange casting. We were talking earlier about strange casting, very strange mm-hmm. casting here. Um You know, the reviews have been <sighs>
2: yes, the best. That's that's what have kept me away well, from these two. You know, I didn't Skype. like the one. And everybody's kind of like, you know, a couple of people might have liked it a little bit, but they're like, ah, eh, these films just don't work. Well,
1: they're, they're mixed respected too. They're mixed respected too. I mean, at this point, you guys, you got to take everything on a grain of salt. True. I, I inspectors got Monica Bellucci, so you know, in a smaller part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. it's a musty at this point. Um, <laughs> Skyfall had a i liked it the first time. I, it's labyrinthian is a word it really is. Okay. It's a and his plot. And um it's like they won't let go of the threads from Casino right now. They're still trying to it's the first time Bond has been as serious per se as we're still going with the story somewhere. We're not sure you get the feeling they don't even know where they're going. <laughs> and and uh the some good stuff in this in Skyfall, though. some good, some good, uh, uh, insidious, uh, Asian woman mastermind. I couldn't tell if she was Asian or French or French Asian. Um, some really nasty, like we're, we're assassins. So boom, that's it. Um, which harkens back to the seventies. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff in Skyfall. Um, there's an amazing fucking uh, London Tube train that crashes through a wall at high speed, keeps going. That's like a combination between somebody on speed watching Silver Streak and one <laughs> of those disaster movies like Meteor that you mentioned before. <laughs> oh, I love I say, those. What the fuck is this doing here? You know?
2: And I gotta kick out of silver streak too. <laughs> yeah. And
1: and that and it's very well done. It's like totally out of the blue. Like, what the fuck? Now you
2: me want to see it just
1: for that. Havier <laughs> Bardem is this uh, person of questionable sexuality. Um there's a little thing going on there with him and Bond. Um yeah. and I'm not quite sure what's going on with that either. And then there's a relationship to Judy Dench's character which is so deeply embedded in the story that if you're not paying attention you go like, What was that about again? So I uh, I wound up by the third time I watched it. I liked it. And I thought it was different. It's a different kind of bottom movie. Maybe why a lot of people want ape shit over it. Okay. Because you really had to like, What? What was that again? Now from all old- Intents and purposes, the next one, uh, Spectre, okay. uh, which has Trevor cast, Christoph Waltz. Everything I see that guy, that in. terrible theme song. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I love that guy in Django, man. Tarantino's Django, <laughs> that guy was so good in that. Um, so uh, Monica Bellucci, yeah, and they used to do which. She was in the semi hardcore porn French lesbian <laughs> art film, which, which I you saw doing on Netflix. Yes, yeah, no, no, the one from last year. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> or hardcore. I'm like, oh, I'm going to see
1: Besmois. <laughs> no, 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 it's on Netflix. Just do Leia do, and so if you do Netflix streaming, it'll pop right up, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she's we'll in this, too. So, so Spectre opened up last week in London, and it got the, from ecstatic to acclaimed to like, eh. So you um, <laughs> have to pay attention to the app reviews. Uh, Daniel Craig has notoriously, in the last two weeks, been doing his uh, press interviews for Spectre, and saying, I don't want to do it anymore, which is really, really interesting. You don't do Everybody, that. Yes. When, you do, when you work for a big, big movie machine like this, and you're you're signed for Walmart picture. Why would you do that?
2: Yeah, I, I heard that. No, and was, that was another reason. I'm like, okay, I guess you uh,
1: say more Bond films whatever. <laughs> but yeah,
2: well, that subway train thing, that, that
1: sounds <laughs> cool. Actually, yeah, actually, I I think you should take a look at Spectre, my my illustrious co-host, and uh, don't shoot me if you don't like it. But I think there's enough going on in there, twists and turns, that you might like. You mean Skyfall,
2: not Spectre. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Scott.
2: Scott. See, why
1: did they have both these movies S- with an F? Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're bound to get confused. But anyway, uh, Spectre opens up uh, next week or the week after here. Okay, I thought it was
2: tonight or this week. Is it tonight? I don't know. I thought it was soon. You were one is
1: saying, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have a show on the same day that it opens. <laughs> oh, it might be. I don't know. But, you know, it's a bad thing to open in London like a week or two before it opens in America, because everybody already would have bootlegged the damn thing and be all over those pirate uh, Internet things. Yeah, that's true. Which is the same thing that happened to Expendables 3. You know how to hurt the box office on that. True enough. <laughs>
0: expendables 3 didn't work. <laughs>
1: Just the
2: fact that you mentioned Expendables films. Are... All right. So,
1: <laughs> hey, I do
2: that's it we finally got through our at least the james bond portion of the show Uh, i knew i told you that we wouldn't get to the other spies i knew that
1: um so we did we got them we got them all
2: in though next time we are going to be digging down for a new low uh we actually sandwiched this one in because we had talked about this previously before we set up the seasons and then uh maybe two shows back he said oh yeah we should do that i'm like Damn, I wanted to do it in the first place, so we just snuck it in. Uh, we'll be talking about some of the, you know, in season one, we talked about some of the leading lights of Italian cult cinema, like Argento and Fulci. uh, you know, and later on in the season, we talk about Mario Bava and then Behind the Police of But, you know, we're talking now, next week, about uh, directors who fall between the cracks, you know, artists who are best known for their lack of inhibitions and willingness to jump on a a trend and drag it down to new loads of seediness, bizarreness, and even arguable haphazardness. Uh, we've already attempted to rehabilitate the reputation of Aristini, Joe D'Amato, Massachese. Can we possibly salvage the likes of Roberto Lenzi, Reno Di Silvestro, uh, Bruno Mattei, Andrew Mario Bianchi? The more we go on with this list, the, the less likely it seems. Renato Polselli, Luigi Bastella, Sergio Garoni, uh, Alberto Di Martino, and even though he's not as bad, Sergio Martino. Uh, so join us as we dig even deeper than usual when we tackle some of the seediest directors in Italian cult cinema. Uh, so week 14
1: will be Italian sleaze. Uh, yeah, so it'll be a, a not safe for work uh, podcast for sure, I'm sure. That's for damn sure. <laughs>
0: right,
1: but so, I do uh, want to say, although we had uh, lots to talk about, Jerry Cotton, Eurospy, The Avengers, Jason King, et cetera, Mission Impossible and the like, we hope to schedule that at some point in the future because uh, – yeah. This was fun, and, and I think we could really do a show based on that stuff. So we'll We are, already that. have
2: a show scheduled where we will be doing British Cult TV, so we may touch on some mm-hmm. of those as we go through it. Again, depends how time goes. But, yeah, we definitely have enough there to do another show on one way or the other. So uh, sure. stay tuned, and we will get to that. Uh, so any
1: uh, closing remarks you want to make before I shut this one out finally? <laughs> um, I'm sorry we didn't use the Bond uh, theme from John Barry. It would have been cool to ah, yeah. the show. I thought about it but uh
2: when you know, mentioned it I thought of it and I totally forgot by the time we
1: got here. <laughs> see this is good. We think about things and we forget about them. But yeah. uh, no we, we, we actually hope that even if you're you weren't a huge Bond fan that the show was enjoyable and uh, there were some movies you didn't see that we made you think, Oh, I don't really want to see it anymore. No, or we made you think <laughs> we might want to see it. Um Who knows? Uh, You're thinking of seeing Skyfall now, so that's possible.
2: Anything's possible here.
1: So So join us
2: presumably next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, and hopefully we won't uh, drag out as much as we did tonight, uh, which I think is an all time record. (laughs) Uh, No, no. Our
1: all time record is (laughs) DeFranco.
2: Well, yeah, but we should do that in two parts. That was another story. Uh, (laughs) All right. So. Close. Thanks for joining us. All right, so thanks for joining us tonight. Looking forward to our chat on Chad Monty Uh Next week we'll be talking about science. Contact us your comments. Yes, we are making a position. Like to
0: join us? So, Facebook
2: page, Facebook. Com. One for press. One
0: I